Hello, and welcome to An Awful Lot of Running, the unofficial, official Doctor Who podcast. Woo! Yes! <laughs> uh, I am Jack, one part of your hosting team, uh, in which we, on this show, we talk about all the things we love about Doctor Who, other geeky projects, on basically just all the different IPs that we love, and I'm Jack, I am a teacher, husband, uh, father, lots of stuff. And I'm going to stop talking now and hand it over to published author, my re- responsible, usual co-host, Robin Fowle. As always, it is great to be on here. I absolutely love doing this show. I've, uh, I've been really gearing up for this episode. Um, we've taken a bit of a hiatus so I could go on a much-needed little holiday with my partner in crime. And, yeah, let's... Uh, Get to it then. Um, Jack, what have you been up to with everything that's going on? Uh, well, you know what? I, I was dreading this question because I feel like not an awful lot. But then actually, I started thinking about it. I was like, well, actually, there is, I have been up to other, a lot of stuff. Um, uh, oh, man, of course you have. <laughs> um, with doing a lot of more sort of working a lot more at work and having the commute, I've been listening to audiobooks quite a bit. And uh, I've just got into and finished the Six of Crows duology uh, by uh, Lee Bardugo, uh, who's the creator of the Grishaverse, oh. and they're the second in like second series in the Grishaverse. Have you heard of Shadow and Bone I've, at all, Robin? And oh, I've heard of Shadow of Bone, but I've never heard of those books. Is it the same universe? Or? Yeah, yeah, so, you know, originally it started out with Shadow and Bone, which is now available on Netflix. Uh, the first series I, was actually what got me interested in this. I watched the first series, and uh, they've changed things a bit, because in the book, the characters of the Crows uh, don't actually appear in the Shadow of Bone books, but they decided to, because it's set in the same universe, and Six of Crows is so popular, that duology, which technically comes after it is part of the universe the Grishaverse they set up they sort of actually injected the characters into it and uh, made it into a prequel to those books which is kind of interesting kind of cool I mean mm-hmm. obviously you know usually that sort of thing I imagine people would be like this is ridiculous but I think it kind of works what they did like the TV show is really good actually I'd say well and the thing uh, is you can have two separate properties um, or rather two separate mediums for a property, and you can still do so much for them. Yeah. It's why I love reading the books to movies and seeing how different they are. Like Jurassic Park, that's one of my favourite books, and even though it shares a lot of the same beats, a lot of the plot details and a lot of the characters are so different to the movie, and you can enjoy both. For different reasons. Oh yeah, I mean that's. I mean, you just look at the last Harry Potter film. Like the last half of that film is basically just made up, and it's nothing. Not like the uh, book in a lot of ways, which is a shame because I think, you know, the book is better. But anyway, yeah, no, uh, I hmm. saw. I started listening to him because actually my wife has Audible and she lets me share her account, and she listened to 
Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom, which is the sequel to that, the second part of the duology. She listened to that maybe a year or more ago and absolutely loved it. And I watched Shadow and Bone, was really into it, really enjoyed it, and was like, well, I want to read the books at some point. Jodie said to me, she was like, well, don't buy them. You know, you can listen to to uh, Six of Crows and see if you like it. And Crooked Kingdom, I got that as well. And like, I've already got them on Audible, so I did. And honest to God, Robin, mm-hmm. it's like the best. It's the best audiobook I've ever listened to. Like both of them. Serious. Seriously, because it's not just one person reading, which can work, and then, you know, a, a really good voice actor or narrator can really sell an audiobook. Uh, to, you know just by how they read it or how they perform it but yeah 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 what's amazing about this is because each chapter is a different from a different character's perspective for a different crow of the of the you know titled six of crows <laughs> they have a different voice actor for each of those characters no way so if they have that's a, that's a big deal man. i know and it's and it really works it's so fantastic and they all do fantastic versions of each other's voices and like it really is good. So, like, the characters are Kaz, Jesper, Inej, uh, Nina, and Matthias, and Wyland as well. And they each have a different voice actor for each of those roles. And it's so... It just works so brilliantly. And it just immerses you in the story so well. And the voice actors are some of the best I've ever heard do a uh, audiobook. Dude, the, like... We know that we get multiple voice actors for, say, an audio drama, but to have it for an audio book, this is making me really want to listen to this. Yeah, oh, I'm going to tell you something, Robin, which is going to make you want to listen to it even more. Okay, oh, yeah, later on, okay later so on. it bugged me for the longest time. I was listening to one of the characters. I was listening to whenever Matthias' chapter came up, who quickly became my favourite character, actually. Whenever one of his chapters came up, I listened to the voice and I was like, this sounds really similar. This this sounds like something I know from my childhood. Mm-hmm. I listened. I was thinking, where has I heard this voice before? And the voice actor, whether he was doing it, he was doing certain lines in a certain way, in a certain way like this. And I was thinking, oh, that's weird. So I looked him up, and uh, I looked at his name, and it's Jay Snyder. And I was like, oh well, it's not. No, it's not. It's not who I thought it was. I've never. I never heard them. Clicked on it. Turns out it's an alias uh, used by Dan Green. <laughs> Shut up. Which made so much sense because I said to my wife, I was like, whenever this guy, whenever this guy says something like angrily, or like, you know, he'll say like Demjin or Nina. Every time he says that, all I hear is Kaiba. <laughs> I mean, the question is, does he ever say it's time to duel? No. But and then and then the, well the thing the thing about it was it's like he he when he speaks as Matthias is like it it is Yami Yugi but then he voices other characters and like it sounds like Yugi and I was like this is like and I was and it was bugging me for so long because I was like it sounds just like it but it's not him apparently and then I actually researched it because I was going to make a freaking TikTok about it and I was like oh my god it actually is him <laughs> that oh my god yes. Just yes, I have to listen to that now. But I've just got I've got to get it out of my head though that he's Yugi. Otherwise, I'm just going to be like, that's going to be my head cannon. <laughs> well, you know what? I, it's a really good book, and I'd recommend it to fans of like One Piece, basically as well. I would, because you're following a crew of not necessarily pirates, but like of criminals is what they are, mm. and they're basically planning a heist. 
And oh, okay, because something like that would really help me with writing mm. my second book. Actually. It's a heist, but it's in a fantasy world. So, you know, and obviously in the Grisha world, they have, there are different Grisha, which is their word for people with powers, and they've got different powers and things like that. And it's really, it, it's so compelling, it really is. Like, I know other people say start with Shadow and Bone, but go into it. But I, I think because I've watched the show, I picked up enough to understand enough about the universe to, so that when I did mm. watch, uh, sorry, when I did listen to Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom, like I already knew most of the characters because they're in Shadow and Bone, the TV show. And also, I just knew about the world. It was, and yeah. And then it, it just sold me again that, again, every time I heard Matthias go, Demjin or Nida, I'd hear, Kaiba! <laughs> sold. Absolutely sold me. <laughs> I, it was already on my to-watch list on Netflix. Um, but I'm, I've got my own bit of uh, watching at the moment, a bit of homework I've given myself, which I'll talk about in a bit. Um, oh, yeah. Is there anything else you've been up to, mate? Or? Um, I suppose the main thing is that, you know, watched a few, you know, comedy shows, things like that. Uh, really, really enjoyed... Uh, this really weird uh, sketch show, uh, like produced by Ed Helms on Netflix. I think it's called like Auntie Auntie Dorothy or something like that. But it's it's free chaps from from New Zealand, but they're in America, and it is just out there, batshit crazy. Remind me a bit of Mighty Boosh, but then Mighty Boosh on like steroids, <laughs> like crazy. Oh, that was funny. Okay, <laughs> but also. Um, I've been watching every week, and I know you have too, as have many fans. I've been watching what I'd like to call the best series of Doctor Who in several years, or as it's properly known, Marvel Studios Loki. It's it's been an absolute wide of a show, and I said to you pretty much by the second episode, like, yeah, this is just Doctor Who, but so much better than it's been in recent years oh, like yeah. Tom Huddleston we, we all knew he was an amazing actor before but to have a whole series following him it's what makes me excited for the Obi-Wan series that they're making with Ian oh, McGregor yeah. um, like he did an amazing job, all the actors did um, his chemistry of Owen Wilson is absolutely fantastic the the mystery, it's kind of, it's got that kind of WandaVision mystery where you don't know where it's going into the end that's to and that's totally what i loved about wandavision and why it's probably it's probably my favorite of the disney plus shows so far has been wandavision not to say that i haven't really? loved not to say that i haven't loved the other shows but what i loved about wandavision was the mystery but then i also it made me fall in love with wanda and vision even more so they were like wanda was already one of my favorite characters in the comics but we hadn't really seen the proper wanda in the mcu no, and like we, she hadn't been given that time, and Vision hadn't either. To be honest, they were just they were there, which is just you know I understand. You got RDJ, you've got Chris Evans, you got Hemsworth. Like they go, they want their FaceTime, you know. Also, for newcomers as well, who are you going to give the screen time to? Especially with the MCU being such this experimental thing, which somehow was successful, mm. like. Oh my god. Um, but the series for them to be able to flesh out their characters and to have them be supported by these 
amazing casts and these amazing performances. Mm-hmm. Um, One the Vision was great. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I really loved for the action. Yeah, um, and you have to call it Captain America and the Winter Soldier now, my man. You do, dude. Yeah, he was already Captain America, mate. Yeah. Like he's done an amazing job. Oh he, yeah, he gives something totally different to the character as making it his own at the same time which they both stand out as captain america which is brilliant both steve rogers it's it's really it's funny because i'm a comics purist before before going into falcon and the winter soldier and i hadn't thought around the race and i haven't thought about the other issues before going into it i was thinking i was thinking bucky should have been given the shield and bucky should have been given the year because when i got into comics bucky was cap and like bucky was my cap for a bit which was really you know, and I loved that run of comics. But then watching the show, and I think it was by the end of the first episode, when I understood, like, the racial tone behind it and the what it means to actually have a black man be Captain America, I was... Mm. And also, to be fair, seeing where the stories are going anyway, I was like, no, it has to be Sam. Sam is, Sam is the best of men, like... Bucky's too damaged for this. And beyond that anyway, Sam is just the right call for it. He represents America as it is and the best of, you know, yeah. And dude, it's so relevant for our times now as well. I mean, it's always been a relevant thing, those issues, but I'd say even more so with uh, the Black Lives Matters that have happened, Mm -hmm. um, the presidency, um, it's... I thought it just explored so many different um, things, which was great. And now, like, come on. It's this amazing mystery. We get a bit of travelling all around, which Mm -hmm. I'd love to see them do more of for season two. Oh, yeah. Which, by the way, yeah, they just just announced that at the end of the episode, uh, the last episode, guys. Loki is getting a series two. I... I'm super stoked for that. Like, what they, without spoilers, obviously, um, what they set up at the end of that, I think is a very clear picture for what we're getting for this next load of movies, which makes sense if you look into mm-hmm. uh, titles and such of certain movies. But Oh, yeah. And I, I think, you know what, let's just rip the band-aid off. Spoilers for Loki and all its forms. Let's face it, it'll probably be a month before this podcast comes out with my editing schedule. <laughs> oh, so so if you've watched, you know, you've probably all watched it anyway. But yeah, spoilers for Loki. Um, I said it for WandaVision, and I think technically it's still correct based on the time line order that they've got on Disney Plus for these shows. Robin, the multiverse is opening up. I I freaking love it. We're, we're getting What If, which that looks incredible. Love Which the technically is What If canon to the MCU yeah. now, because technically <laughs> it really it's like amazing, isn't it? We've got that. We've got Doctor Strange, the second movie called Madness in the Multiverse. Yeah, I, yeah. I believe it's Multiverse of Madness, isn't Multiver- it? Yeah, something like that. And yeah. I mean, we're still waiting for the trailer from Spider Man. Um, but like, it comes out in December. We've not seen a trailer for it yet. Like, they must have been. They must have been holding it back for like the ramifications of Loki. 
They must be, mm. because... It like, makes so much more sense. Like, we already know stuff about casting in terms of villains in that movie. We already know that Jamie Foxx is back as Electro, and Alfred Molina is back as Doctor as Doc Ock. Yeah, he, he announced that himself, like... <laughs> I think, like, I like, like, we knew that he was going to be... Well, we, we knew he was going to be in it, but... I mean, we knew he was going to be Doc Ock, but then I think he said a bit more about stuff, which was like, oh, okay, interesting. Uh, but yeah, it just we don't know what's happening now, do we? It's just, and then obviously, the, uh, like yesterday, we had a freaking Deadpool reacting with Korg yeah. to a movie trip, <laughs> which is like, and I was like, what? Are you kidding me? I, I like just <laughs> like like Ryan Reynolds just waxed on his YouTube channel. I'm like. What? Is this I tell a joke? You what, Jack, that is the uh that is the duo who I've never asked to see together, but now I want that to be a thing cuz Cork and Deadpool, what chemistry? <laughs> well like, well like I knew that this movie like The Full Guy or, or, or Full Guy whatever it is was coming out like with Ryan Reynolds and Taika Waititi in it. Mm-hmm. I knew that's been coming out for like a, you know, a couple of years now. It was going to be coming out and obviously, you know, corona and stuff made it uh you know be delayed but then when they came up with that i was like what because i was like there is no way that marvel would just let them have call for it and like ryan reynolds doesn't own deadpool anyway no 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 and like the movie studio and i was just like what is happening and and it's, it's not like Cork is, oh, you can just put on a costume. No, no, no. You have to do special effects for that. So it's... Mm-hmm. Dude, the, the MCU is going places, and I am all on board the hype train. Like, I still think that, like, as soon... Because obviously, you know, when the, they've got the rights to all the Fox stuff now, and obviously, you know, we've, we've known... I think even Kevin Feige has said that, yes... Deadpool 3 will be in the MCU and it will be R-rated. It will be, you know. We just, you know, they've just not announced it yet, obviously. Yeah. But, like... <sighs> Damn. And we, obviously we know the X-Men are coming at some point, but, I, yeah. We've, we've been, like, grasping at straws in terms of how the X-Men are going to get into the MCU. We thought WandaVision was setting it up with uh, the actor who played Quicksilver revealing himself. Um, But now we've got this multiverse, so whether it be we just take Fox's universe of X-Men and just throw them in that way, or whether we're just going to do a a whole new X-Men and just say they're from another timeline where mutants existed. Who who the hell knows, but ah, uh, it's it's good to be a geek. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like, it was it was so satisfying as well as like a fan that after so many fans going through, and then this is okay. I'm, I'm saying it again now. Big spoilers for Loki. Like it was so satisfying as a fan to go through one division, being like Mephisto, Mephisto, <laughs> Mephisto, and then obviously no Mephisto, and then obviously the joke then when Falcon and Winter Soldier was like <gasps> Mephisto, <gasps> Mephisto, and then like people and myself included being like, okay, the person behind the TVA in one division, in, in, in Loki, has to be Kang or has to be Immortus or Mephisto, a version of Mephisto. Kang or Kang variant, you know, and then. Oh my god. 
because Jonathan Majors, who is going to be playing Kang in Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantumania, I believe mm, it's called. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was like, no, 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 I'm not in Loki. No, I'm not in Loki. I'm not playing Kang. I'm not in that. And technically, he was he was telling the truth because he wasn't playing Kang. No. Technically. But they revealed him. He's there. He's an amalgamation of two characters. Um, I believe the man at the end. I can't remember what it's called. Like the and then, but also he was in the Immortus, uh, Immortalus, or whatever it is, Immortus uh, costume, basically mm. just without the weird hat. Who obviously is like old man Kang, basically is. But yeah, he and then the way he was actor. talking about it. Oh my god, how. I don't think we've had such a brilliant and charismatic introduction to a character in the MCU since I can't even think. Like maybe since RDJ himself mm. as as Tony Stark. It's because I was instantly sold on his portrayal. I'm super curious about his character because we got Thanos, who was an amazing big villain, and while you know his introduction was a bit slow to begin with and it was that kind of more tough guy exterior those last two uh, yeah movies uh, the, really the end of make it the, the end was at the end of uh, age of ultron fine i'll do it myself uh, years five later. years later <laughs> infinity war <laughs> but kang the conqueror it's a very different take on the character and i think it's a good thing actually because it means we're getting a whole well that's the thing that me that's the thing it was a very he's a variant isn't he so he's not that's not the version of kang we're gonna see Mm, true true i didn't even think of it like that um but yeah mate i've just such a great series such a great series just i i don't care if some people are like oh you know i'm 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 kind of just burnt out on superhero movies like no Dude, if they just keep on being awesome stories and characters and just giving us more of this kick-ass stuff, what's not to love? Yeah, do you, do you know what I say to people saying that? Like, Shut your damn filthy mouth. Like, no, no, these are my stories. This is it. This is I'm invested in this so hard. And just, like, what a great show. What a great series. Like, the introduction of uh, Sofia Martino as Sylvie, mm. who is just brilliant i know i was certain that she was going to end up being revealed as the enchantress because she's got like the hair for it she's got like well the the, the, the amount of times uh what is it in the third episode they said enchant mm. i was like yeah she she's gonna be enchantress but then obviously you know she is a loki variant i think what they've just done is they've just amalgamated uh like female loki and the enchantress yeah well that's the thing because i was like Oh, it must be Enchantress. But then I was like, oh, wait, no, that'd just be it was Agatha mm. all along again, which I, I don't think <laughs> they would do. Um, no, because it worked so well the first time and they wouldn't just do it straight up. No, would no, they? no. Just like, same thing again, no. Um, which, Jack, you were just talking about how Loki has been one of the best, like, Doctor Who, non-Doctor Who in years. Yeah. Well, well, think think about it. Like we had a multi, we had a multi Doctor episode, basically. Like <laughs> we already had a couple going around, and then episode five, we did have multi Doctor, a multi Loki, oh and we even had someone who played the Doctor in Fair Enough Scream of the Shalker, but we had Richard E. Grant as 
old classic Loki. I was going to say, how did we forget to talk about old man Loki, kid Loki, and croaky. Boastful Loki and <laughs> alligator Loki. Hi. <laughs> I, alligator Loki oh. just stole it from me with his little waddle every time. <laughs> oh my God. So brilliant. Oh, so fantastic. And I love how they have President Loki there from Vote Loki. He was basically just there for two minutes. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> it's like, we did not think that was what was where it was going to go, the series. Because he was in so much of the promotional stuff, and he's like, and he's gone. Yeah. But that's Marvel, isn't it? Like, there are shots of, like, a King Loki in Asgard as well in the trailers, which never got used. And, it was, and I was thinking about it, it's like the same thing they did with Infinity War. Like, they had... They had Hulk uh, in the battle yeah. in Wakanda in Infinity War trailers, but then obviously he's not in it in the actual movie, is he? So it's like they, they're they so clever at just being able to do that fake out and like they'll just film additional material just to throw us off, which I just, like, I, I applaud oh, them on that. It's like, dude, well done. Totally. Well done. Well done. Well done, Feige. Uh, so, <laughs> what I was going to lead up with this is it's been some of the yeah, best. Sorry. <laughs> no, not at all, dude. Not at all, because I'm glad you reminded me on those amazing characters and actors who played them um i i say actors yeah t- totally the alligator as well he he did an amazing job yeah can, can, I, can i just quickly say can we please also disney uh any chance we could have a classic loki with richard e grant and alligator loki show but make it like rick and morty <laughs> like just have them jumping through and make alligator rick there the alligator loki is rick and the classic loki is morty job done <laughs> Oh, okay, you just did a spin on that, which I did not expect, but... <laughs> yes, just yes. Um, <laughs> just just make that one of the uh, future What If episodes. Done. Done. <laughs> um, but yes, it's been one of the best non-Doctor Who series in a long, long time. And I can say that with certainty now, because recently I decided to for this podcast to invest in the box sets for season 11 and season 12 of Doctor Who. Um, I have started to watch season 11 with an open mind, quite excited to be watching Doctor Who again. And it's been so mediocre or poor. Either of the two, it's just not been good. I'm halfway through season 11, but I'm just not enjoying where they're taking things. I was going to say, you were you were pretty you were pretty hot on those episodes to start off with. You were watching through them, like you were telling me about it, and then suddenly the chat just stopped happening, and I was like, ooh, he's either gotten busy, or he's just gotten uh, bored. I, dude, like, I never wanted to think of it as homework. You know, I love Doctor Who. I, and each episode, I find myself... I'm writing down my notes for each one, so I'm going to go into them in more depth um, in a future episode. But every episode, I'm like, okay, good setup. Where are they going to take us? And then... Oh, it was a Wacknids in London which did it for me. Oh, like yes. that, Arachnids in the UK. That's yeah. the one where I just messaged you, Jack, and I was just like what the hell is this episode this is yeah that is that's going to go down in history as one of the worst episodes of Doctor Who of all time 
for so many reasons so many reasons and let me just say like as much as i want to say and i'm sure we will have an episode where we go through that stuff and i would love to do it right now i've done stuff for you said stuff to you on the chat but what i'll say to you now robin is yes let the hate flow through you <laughs> i dude i've heard i mean i've heard from you about i don't know if it's season 11 or 12 where they do something with the finale that you hated uh, 12. 12. Okay. 12. I've, I've got a bit yeah, then, but um, I will get back to it. Um, as I said um, at the beginning of this um, podcast, I had to take a bit of a hiatus because me and my partner, we needed a much needed holiday to get get away from all the the sad times of this year and the, the crap that is COVID. So we just spent a couple of days in Bath and Bristol for much needed getaway at the zoo and Jane Austen Museum because she's a huge fan and that was all really good stuff. Oh, I'm glad you had a nice time. Uh, I really am, you know. Uh, thanks, mate. It's, this this year, you know, this the past year has been tough, hasn't it? So it's just even if you can't go abroad, it's just nice to make the most of these things um, and just do things together. Like, I I really yeah. hope at some point we can do a couple of episodes of this podcast together in the same room for once because to feed off that energy would be fantastic like hands touching hands <laughs> reaching out wait no but don't touch me don't touch me but, yeah. <laughs> no yeah they'd, they'd be really cool and especially with the summer coming up it'd love to be, it'd be awesome to be able to sit down together and actually do some podcasts together live mm. maybe fun yeah it certainly saved me on the end this end of a bloody editing and stuff so (laughs) it it just get things out much easier as well because we love doing these we'd love to do these more often but we've got work or we've got family and we've got all these other commitments which everyone does yeah um other than that mate um the last thing that i've been up to is i have been reading the godfather um, which is a phenomenal book. You come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding to ask me for a favor. That's a terrible moment, <laughs> though. Terrible. It's look how they massacred my butt. Bo- no, no, sorry. <laughs> it's been such a page turner. I have not had such a good book in so long. Like I've, I've been. I was about to say this close, but it's not good on a podcast to say this close and have no actual image to show audiences. So I've been, I've, I've been like seconds away from missing my bus stop, from reading it on the bus whenever I've gone to work and back. I've, on my days off, I've gone, oh, I'll read, I'll read it for an hour. And then I end up spending two to three hours just reading it because I've been that engrossed. It's, it holds up mm. so well and it is... A phenomenal book like i definitely plan to read the fantasy book you recommended but if you're looking for a great book godfather 100 percent. i think i could say it's possibly in my top top five already and i'm only halfway wow through. really wow i mean i'll add it to my tbr but my tbr is getting so long at this point that it's just endless mm. like i got i got so many doctor who books on there which i want to read for here for you know talking about cannon busters and stuff but Oh, and I will. I'll add. I'll add. I'll add it to the list though, because I got Jurassic Park on there as well, which you told me to read. And, I, and it's I there. And I'm bought... like every day. <laughs> so 
every day I look at it and I go, one day. One day soon. No. Uh, and, and after you after you wore me down with Wobbin it's on sale. Wobbin it's on sale. Buy it. Buy it now. I finally got uh, the first volume of The War Doctor, which I need to listen to because I love the actor who does that. And it the premise sounds brilliant. I just need to sit down and listen to it. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, John Hurt, bless, you know, rest his oh, heart, soul days, was. Yeah. Oh. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. It's so sad. They did have more stuff planned with him as well with Big Finish, but you know, he obviously was ill and passed away. But yeah. But I mean, something I've done recently as I mean, I spoke about it before that, you know, after my birthday I pre ordered a bunch of stuff from Big Finish that was coming up and uh I pre ordered uh the new War Doctor Begin series Ooh. which was coming out with which I knew obviously was not gonna be uh, with John Hurt in it because obviously he passed away, but they have the fantastic uh, casting of Jonathan Carley, uh, who's voice matching. Uh, it's not no, it's not even fair to say he's voice matching him actually because his performance is so fantastic that, like, it's it's so weird because he totally cheats the ear because you listen to it and it sounds impeccably like John really? Hurt. Really, Do- just and like one of the best impressions or. Again, I hate to say that word impression because it's like, yes, it trips the ear, but in your head and you hear the performance, he 100% makes it his own. And it is a masterful performance as the War Doctor, as, you know, the earliest version of the War Doctor we've seen. And that box set, I listened to it very quickly. And, like, all three stories on that first box set are just phenomenal just brilliant. It picks up pretty much straight after Night of the Doctor Robin, the first bo- first episode. Ooh. And it just takes you straight into those early days of the young Warmaster. No, sorry, not not young Warmaster. <laughs> Warmaster's a different series, obviously they do. But the young War Doctor. And it's just... Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Carley, I already knew he did fantastic stuff for fan projects. He does a brilliant Capaldi, which he did on a fantastic... Um, Ninth Doctor, Twelfth Doctor crossover, which people should check out on YouTube, called Exhausted Supplies. Just brilliant, really good performance in that. He'd voiced the War Doctor and some other stuff as well, I believe. Uh, for I think he was even in the Doctor Who, um, Doctor Who lockdown like watch along things. They had like some little shorts they did, and they did a Doctor's Assemble one, which was all the Doctors' voices coming together, mainly made by done by impressionists. And he did the War Doctor in that, but my Gosh, he stepped up his game to some phenomenal level with this box set, Robin. It's definitely one I would suggest people check out. Uh, I I will add it to my ever-growing list. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you need you need to listen to uh, uh, only the only the monstrous first because my gosh, that's a brilliant box set, and John Hurt is fantastic in that too. So, <laughs> well then, I think we have prattled on about various things for a good long time now. We've skirted yes, around Doctor Who. Uh, <laughs> we have, we have. And just before we get to our main topic, oh, yeah. let me tie into it a second, Robin. Yep. Because just yesterday, completely out of the blue, I didn't expect it yesterday, I expected it next week actually, or uh, Big Finish released 
or made it available for download, not my pre-order, which was Dalek Universe 2, which is obviously the second instalment in the brand new David Tennant series that Big Finish have been putting out this year. And how is it, mate? Yeah, it's alright. Yeah, alright. <laughs> yeah, like the first one, like the first one, first one, amazing. First one, like I said, one of the best box sets I've ever heard from Big Finish. This one, I was just like, oh, okay, it's alright, it's okay. Yeah, because I went for the mode. Second episode, uh, written by John Dorney, is definitely a standout, I think. And Robert Valentine's one, I actually enjoyed a lot, which is the third episode. I, I really enjoyed that upon like thinking about it a bit more. Mm-hmm. And the cliffhanger to that. I won't spoil it for anyone, but... Mwah! Oh! Oh! But then a good cliffhanger does not necessarily make the rest of the story fantastic, does it? No, unfortunately not. Yeah. Which uh, which is actually uh, something which you might uh, find with a future episode, Doc 2, but we'll get to that when we get to it. Or at least you will. Yeah, no, it was like, it was a good box set, and I enjoyed the story of hearing more of uh, David Tennant as the Tenth Doctor again, and hearing Mark Seven and Anya as well, you know, doing some more adventures together. But I thought I found the first story in the box set quite boring. Second one was a bit better, mm-hmm. and certainly had some stuff which. Well, actually, no, the, the second one was much better because John Dorney is just fantastic, and I think really, yeah, that's just what it was. And then Robert Valentine, like I say, did an admirable effort with the last one, really fantastic cliffhanger to it i really enjoyed that and like some stuff which in that was really good as well but i as a boxer i probably give it whereas the first dark universe i probably give a nine out of ten so i probably give this more like a seven i'd say as a you know which is not isn't bad seven's still pretty high you know that that's a yeah you know kick you know it's better than a kick in the teeth Mm. you know i'd say it's like it's like a low seven i'd say my you know i mean dude when you were saying it was Oh, why? I thought you were leading up to just saying, "Oh no, no, it's actually really good." So I'm, I'm sorry to hear. No, no, not... generally, no, generally, it's like, no, it's all right. Whereas the war, you know, whereas War Doctor begins, I give a solid eight or nine. I'd say that maybe it's just because I listened to that and that's so fantastic and like that's got some really cool, like concepts that you can do in the Time War. Mm. You know, like obviously being a Time War, uh, you know, it's you know the concept of it is so you know, abstract, that you can do such amazing things that just maybe when it was just, you know, more typical Doctor Who, I was just like, eh, maybe it's not as... I don't know. I don't know. Like I say, I still enjoyed it, but just... Yeah. It was okay. It wasn't as good as the first box set, but I'm very excited for the third box set. If I am not excited, I'm going to have to wait a few months for it now. Oh, mate. <laughs> oh, that sucks. Yeah, I feel like that one's maybe out in October or November, so I'm like, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Still. Uh, well, right, so shall we open up with what we are going to be talking about this podcast? Yeah, so seeing as, you know, very serendipitously, uh, Dalek Universe 2 uh, come out featuring our favourite Doctor, David Tennant. Uh, we'd enjoyed our episode doing a Ninth Doctor retrospective so much that we just thought, you know what, let's uh, let's let's just rehash the same old frickin' ground. No, we just thought let's let's start with a Tenth Doctor retrospective. This being part one of that, where we look back at series two of the Tenth Doctor and just discuss our love for David Tennant. Really, I 
yeah, you just hit the nail right on the head there. Like, I loved our discussion about Christopher Eccleston. That was one of my favourite episodes of ours to record. Just that banter, that going back and uh, remembering episodes, remembering remembering good Doctor Who again before... Uh, before uh, later seasons. Um, <laughs> to, to, again, to sorry, Chipdoll fans. I... Again, you know, sorry. And again, again, and we say this now as not people not trying to bash oh, it just no, because, no, no, you know, you know, and again, you know, and I'm sure Robin agrees with this as well. We're not those people that are like, oh, it's, you know, we think it's bad. Therefore, you have to hate it as well. Like, no, if you like it, power to you. You know, on genuinely, I'm really happy that there are people that still enjoy Doctor Who when I'm enjoying it less. Well, thank you so. for, like, saying that, Jack, because I meant to say that, like, as I said to begin with, I've I'm going into each episode with an open mind. I want to enjoy them and appreciate them. I think Jodie is doing a really great job as the Doctor. Um, I really like her costume. The episodes themselves look great. Um, But don't you just feel like... I'm sorry to jump on you. Don't you feel like, as great as she is, and don't you just feel like she's not being given the dialogue to really sell herself? Yeah. I... I agree with that, and I think that's something to really dissect and discuss in a later episode when I've, when I've had the chance to really see her full performance, because I'm only halfway through the season. Um, mm-hmm. But, sorry, sidetracked there. Um, sorry, this is me, me jumping in there. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's all good, mate. So, season two of Doctor Who, the first season of uh, our, our boy David Tennant. Um, we were having a little discussion about this before we started, and we both agree that this season has some highlight episodes, which are absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, and then it's also got some low points. Yeah. I think, you know, we were talking about one of the worst episodes of Doctor Who uh, before, say, Arachnids in the UK. I feel like one of the worst episodes of Doctor Who is also in this series. Mm. So, mm. yeah, maybe even two are, but, you know, that's, uh, we'll discuss that in a second. But, yeah, David Tennant, who obviously uh, was announced uh, to be taking the role not long after Series 1 actually started, if I remember, because it was leaked to the press that Christopher Eccleston was going to be leaving, something which apparently he and Russell T. Davis were very cross about, because they had planned his um, regeneration to be a, a secret, it, it was Which so disappointing. I think it would have been interesting. I, I remember seeing that leak and being so disappointed because I was really loving Christopher Eccleston's performance. Mm. And I'm always like this. I'm always jaded whenever a new Doctor comes along because I end up falling in love with the performance of the current do- Doctors. And then I'm like, I don't want to see them go... Well, yeah, that's the thing. And to be fair, so many people are like that, Robin. Like, I know a lot of people that stopped watching Doctor Who when David Tennant left. And I'm like, dude, like, that's the whole nature of the show, you know? Mm. Like, David Tennant isn't the only one to have played the Doctor. Like, excuse me, Hartnell, Pat- Hartnell Troughton, Pertwee, Baker, uh, Davis. <laughs> you know, I'm, the, I'm not going to sit there and do all that. But come on, like, there have been other Doctors. I, I forgot like, a lot of them did. for three seasons as well. I had it in my head he ran for two, but no, he's he did it for a good long haul. Yeah, he did three series and a bunch of specials, mm-hmm. didn't he? Um, 
Yeah, but like, it's really funny. And I don't know if you've heard the story about uh, how he got offered the role, but yeah, I, I, funny enough, I was rewatching that amazing retrospective episode talking about him by um, oh shoot, uh, oh by Clever Dick's films. Was thank it? you. Yes, he again, folks, watch his stuff. Because he is amazing at breaking down every doctor. Oh yeah. Um, God tier, God tier YouTuber. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's it's really fascinating stuff. Because I was rewatching that, preparing for this episode. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if there's anything you want to add before we start off with episode one. Well, I mean, I just don't you think it's like hilarious the way he got offered the role that he's there with. Russell C. Davis and Judy Garnham, who was, you know, executive producer of the show as well, and just there with them, and uh, they just outright, like, Judy Garnham just offered him the role, and Russell was annoyed because he wanted to be the one to say it. <laughs> <laughs> and then David just laughed because he was such a big fan of the show, and that's why it got him into acting. And he'd done, you know, he'd done big finish work, he'd done Scream of the Shark as well, just to do something that was Doctor Who, and then just, yeah like amazing isn't it like it's the fans dream isn't it that you know if you become an actor and that you know is is what one it's basically it's pretty much why i wanted to be an actor when i was younger was to be the doctor mm. so ah oh, mate like i i i watched this retrospective before but i completely forgot that he'd done some work on big finish and i've got the episode that he's in i haven't listened to it yet but now i really want to to hear his performance because um, once you hear it, you do really recognise it is David Tennant. Oh yeah, like totally. Like even in uh, even in Colditz, which I believe is his first one he ever did, which is with Sylvester McCoy as uh, the Seventh Doctor and uh, Sophie Aldred as the uh, as as Ace. Sorry, as my favourite companion. Uh, you know, the Master Ace, as I like to say. <laughs> uh, we are the Master Ace. <laughs> um, but he he plays a Nazi in that called like Klutz or something like that and even with the you know the accent which is really good you're just like that's that's fucking Obi-Wan I mean that's <laughs> David Tennant uh, I, I love that meme so much I use that far <laughs> <Right>. too much <laughs> oh, but yeah and just oh I when when I heard it uh, was announced I Casanova, I believe, was just starting to air on the BBC, and I checked that out before uh, before he came as Doctor Who, just to see what he was like acting style. And that's basically they basically just said, I imagine it's like he said to Russell, um, "So how do you want me to play my Doctor?" And he was like, "Uh, you know Casanova, yeah, do what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just don't, just hump less things." I- Again, I brought this up in a previous episode of ours, but back when I was younger and I was full on Christopher Eccleston, no one could replace him, no one. I heard David Tennant was taking him over and I was like, oh no, not this guy, not Casanova, he's just going to hump the Daleks to death or something. It's like, you know, immature stuff like that to think of when you're much younger, but how wrong was I? And knowing David is like, my favourite Doctor now, it's... Yeah. Just things like that. Yeah. Well, what I love about him as well is I think that he's so... 
obviously every doctor is charismatic but he may be the most charismatic since like tom baker and obviously you know there's the comparison of him being the you know the most iconic arguably the most iconic modern doctor and tom baker being the most iconic classic doctor so there's that comparison but then also it's like I also love this. There's a lot of arrogance with him. Mm, yeah, there is. You know, there's a lot of arrogance with his dog, which obviously, I think, in a way, you know, totally is his comeuppance in the end, really. It was so interesting because I completely forgot about his arrogant side until I watched that retrospective series again. That's something that I'd kind of forgotten about with his character. And. I th- I th- I think because we watched it as kids as well, maybe we just didn't pick up on it like when we first watched it, you know. And it's I think it's only in more recent years that I've reassessed it and thought about things like, you know, with that. I get, sorry to Robin to jump on you again there. You but, go uh, for it, mate. Absolutely. You know, but like thinking about stuff about like his treatment of Martha in like series three as well, like. Like, how did he not pick up on the fact that she was in love with him? And he treated her terribly. It, like, genuinely. It does suck. Because she's... Martha's generally really good. But I think when I first watched that season as a kid, I couldn't get invested in Martha because she wasn't given as much... I, I, I don't know if this is the right word, if it's... She wasn't given enough agency or because the Doctor wasn't treating her as her own separate companion but always comparing her to Rose. That really, like, stunted her character growth, which sucked. Um, I think, you know, I think maybe on a rewatch you'll maybe see a bit less than that. But I think I totally agree with you in a way as well because, yeah, he was totally saying... Oh, Rose this, oh, Rose that. And I love it. There's that line in Utopia where um, uh, where Captain Jack Captain Jack is there and he says, you know, uh, you know, for a blonde with a... Th- and uh, Martha goes, oh, she was blonde. Oh, it all makes sense now. <laughs> I mean, I, I love the fact that the Doctor takes her to a, to a planet or a timeline that he took effectively his ex-partner to and it's like, mm-hmm, <laughs> yep. Smooth Doctor, smooth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I tell you what, his entrance. Like he's like you know, obviously we see him at the end of Parting of the Ways and he's there and we hear the hmm new teeth, that's weird. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh yeah. Barcelona. Barcelona. <laughs> and that is that's that's one of those like, you know, if someone held a picture up to me and said, You can't hear pictures, I'd say, Yes I can, I can hear that one. <laughs> I know that. I know that one so well. I'm like, oh, he's just like he stepped in to it, and he just he sold me straight away. And I think I think for that I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And then, obviously, you know, I know we're looking at series two, but really we can't look at series two without looking at also the 2005 Christmas special, Robin. Yes, yes, which is technically his regeneration and first episode, and technically. We can't also talk about that without talking about the, uh, what is it, Children in Need special that he did, which is canon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten about that, yeah. Because, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's, directly it's basically followed, just an extra... Yeah. <laughs> it directly follows... It's basically just an extra it. scene, isn't mm. it? Yeah. 
Sorry, jump on each other. <laughs> no, no, you go on. You say. You you speak. You speak. I've spoken a lot. Go on. You go ahead. We're, we're very professional here, folks. We get so excited about what we're talking about. We're just we're like kids, you know. We just want to talk about it. It's like no, me first. Me first. <laughs> but yeah, as you were saying, it's just it just is an extension of that scene, but it just gives a bit more, and it is canon for that. And uh, it's just it's great to see David when he coming into the world, and that. I guess this is a good transition into that Christmas special, because um, in that episode we get to see him perform pretty much every aspect of his Doctor. We get to see his his jolly side. We get to see his you don't mess with me side. Oh yeah, you get to see his wrathful side like hell, don't mm. you? And I remember that hitting me because you know Eccleston had his dark moments and. You know, you definitely believed he had fought in the Time War and that he was a warrior, you know, that was then healed through, you know, travelling with Rose. But my gosh, that part where, you know, um, sorry, people being loud on my street out there, you probably hear the windows. I'll try and edit that in post, guys. Um, But like, you know, he has that... Yeah, just that wrathful side, doesn't he? Which is just like, you know, it's like uh, no second chances. That's sort of the man I am now. It's like, <gasps> and I remember literally being like shocked, but like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and like, but like, you know, you saw those little snippets all through that episode as well. Where like, you know, he comes out the TARDIS and he's regenerated, and then the, you know, he's barely in that episode. Which is funny, because for a regeneration episode, they usually have the Doctor sort of being weird and bombastic through. But they had him out, because I think Rusty Davis realised that they need to sell us on him, and they need to put the focus on Rose. And I think it works totally in that episode. I think it's a great episode, The Christmas Invasion. I think it worked as well, because this was season two of a new series of Doctor Who, which... For a lot of people, this was their first regeneration, me included. So Rose was the perfect audience conduit because, hey, this person that you've been going on all these adventures with, they've changed. And not just appearance, but their personality has changed. They're almost not the same person anymore. And that's a lot to deal with. Um, And the other thing that I wanted to bring up and I made a note of... um, because he's not in the series as much, it gives so much more urgency towards the cards to be more proactive, which, based solely on the first half of season 11 I've watched so far, is something I'm feeling like the fam desperately needs. Because so far they, to me, have no urgency or no real input in the episodes. Sorry, whenever I hear that word fam, my skin just crawls. Yeah, and like, oh, totally. I totally agree with you, Matt. And just the way he then enters when he finally is recovered and just like, like, oh, it's such a brilliant episode where they have the sicker acts there. He's going, oh, blah, 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 talking. And they've got Andy Garcia, bless him there, translating. And then just mid-speech, the sicker act leader turns into English. So, Hold on a minute, that's English. I am not speaking. And they're like, wait a minute. If, if he's speaking English, that means the TARDIS is working. And the TARDIS is where, and they turn around and he opens the door and says, Did you miss me? I'm like, oh <laughs> yes. 
And then he just proceeds to just be, like you say, just have, like, I don't think we've had a Doctor so fully rounded and entrenched and just knowing what he was going to be. I don't think we've had a Doctor like that. That's just like, bam, that's that's their Doctor. Because, you know, like, big red, when I see a big red button, and all of it is just, oh. It, you it's know, a pop culture references. Very good episode just, for a first Doctor to be given that opportunity to show everyone, hey, you know, put down your pitchforks and torches. I am going to be a great Doctor. Here's my performance. And it's like, yeah, he is going to be a fantastic Doctor. Mm-hmm. Has a sword fight on Christmas Day and he, he brings down the government with a simple phrase, just... Doesn't she look tired? Mm, I love that one. That's such oh. a good, simple quote. And just, it shows just how powerful he is as a character, that that's, you know, it, you know, oh. And I tell you what, brilliant. this episode as well marks the start of, I can't remember if they do it after the second Christmas special as well, but for this Christmas special and the next one, they're both, Quite dark endings for Christmas specials. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. You're right. They uh, they do have quite dark sort of endings. I don't know. Just, I suppose Runaway Doctor. But I think that's I think that's the staple of Doctor. And obviously, this did start the tradition of, which I miss so desperately, the Christmas episode. Mm. You know, I, and obviously the new ones have been you know with with a with you know resolution and. Uh, Revolution of the Daleks. Uh, they've been, they've both been New Year's Day episodes, and there was no, uh, there was no special the year that Series Twelve started because they just had Spyfall Part One on New Year's Day, which was just Episode One of the new series. And I miss the Christmas episode so much. I miss being sat there with the family, no one really caring, and just watching it just for. You know, because it's on. Yeah. Genuinely. And it's, oh, some of the best TV, genuinely. every And it never failed not to make you cry at some point, you know. Some someone's oh my gosh, really had you cry. And then the ones, you know, just, just you know, you just rolled a single tear. Just be like, oh, that was sweet. That was nice. So, with all that said, what is your waiting for the first episode of Doctor Who Season 2? Oh, Christmas Invasion by Russell T. Davis. I would... Hmm. Tough one. It's really strong. It's really good. He's, you know, Temp Doctor's barely in it, but I think they just have it fleeting enough that it's good enough. I would give... I would give it a seven, maybe an eight. Seven. I Seven. I'm sticking yeah. to seven. I think it's just because there are better ones to showcase the Temp Doctor. It's a really good, very good episode. Um, I still need to read the um, novelization, the target novelization of it, but yeah, a seven. Seven. It- it's funny because I've written all my scores in advance because I had to make some notes because listeners of the show, you all know how awful my memory is. I needed to do this all in advance. And I was debating a bit with this first episode. I couldn't remember a lot of the highlights until later. But then when I remembered those, I was like, actually, yeah, I I gave it a seven as well, actually. Not... Not like the peak in the episode, but that's not a bad thing either. Seven is still a good score. 
No, and I think it's one. I think it's one of the best. It's one of the better Christmas episodes mm. as well that they've done or did do. You know, I've genuinely much think better so. than the Titanic. One, um, which I yeah do not yeah. like that one at all. <laughs> that brings us into um, the uh, first, you know, proper episode of what was series two, which was New mm. Earth. Which, you know, it sort of started the trend of what basically, basically what series two is, is basically, saying basically so many times there, sorry. Um, but what series two is, is, you know, it's space and time dates between the Tenth Doctor and Rose. That's pretty much yeah, what they, they are. they really are. Um, and they can finally go to other planets with this one as well. Mm, yeah, you could t- you could see there was a sharp sort of budget increase where the BBC had realised they had a hit and probably just a- they probably just gave him a few more pence, you know, just, just a few more, you know, getting a few extra cardboard cutouts of Daleks in the background. Yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that and that first episode, you know, New Earth, it's you know the apple grass, do you remember? And uh, you know, and obviously the returning villain of uh, Cassandra from oh, yeah. series one of Doctor Who. You know, the bitchy trampoline. The the, uh, the one who's uh, talking out of her. <clears throat> yeah, and it's like it's it's really weird, isn't it? The first episode of like of series two, they have it's a body swap episode. Yeah, you never do like, that. For we're a still second. like we're still we're still getting to know the tenth Doctor pretty much. Like we know him pretty well. We're still getting to know him. And you're doing a body swap episode, really? You, for that to work, you need to know the characters well, so that you're like, oh yeah, you know that character would never do this, and we know why. Um, and it also makes for a fun parallel when they do stuff out of character. Um, uh, and I got to think the whole the whole idea of in the hospital there's this contagion as well. These are uh, people that are sick, and if they touch you, you know you get really ill and just die as well, or explode or what have you. It's like oh, this kind of uh, hits differently in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I. To be honest, this is one of those episodes of this series that. I find quite mediocre. I don't find it terribly oh, yeah. memorable. Like, I was really trying to do some research into this, looking up some images, some clips, and I was just... I just really couldn't remember all that much stuff. Maybe because the body swap thing occurred too soon, and so you couldn't really have that connection to the characters. Um, mm-hmm. I mean... It's the closest we've gotten to. I suppose for me, in Doctor Who. But even then, they're not like a good terrifying. Well, I mean, you know, unlike you know, obviously we have the Unquiet Dead in series one of Doctor Who, which te- in a way were zombies as well, but you know, not really as well. You're quite right, I suppose. You know, it is it's pretty close again. It's skirting that field without actually touching it. I mean, I'll be honest. You know, I think the the back and forth of David Tennant and uh, Billy Piper both pretending to be, you know, Cassandra. It's kind of, you know, it's all right. It's it's a kind of it's a mm. it's a cute episode. It's okay. It's nothing, thing. You know, there are sort of two standout things about it that, you know, the idea that the Doctor is able to fix these people that have got every disease by just basically making a cocktail in a lift. You just think like, like how much the Doctor could save so many lives. 
with that. I mean, I know he's not meant to meddle with time or anything, but... <laughs> but, like, literally, like, literally, that's how, that's the thing of the episode. It's just, give me all the medicine so I can make a cocktail of every medicine. And, like, that's how they sold the episode. That's not how medicine like, weirdly. works. You can't just... <laughs> exactly. But, but Robin, it's, how, it's obviously how space future medicine works. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> I... But, yeah. Um, and then what else as well? I think, you know, they have the face of Bo, which sets up what happens in Series 3 with the mm, face of Bo as true. well. You know, which I suppose they have that. But I imagine that's more just while they seen that Russell Davis wrote was like, um, uh, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, I'll just do this and I'll, I'll pay it off later. Uh, you know, I'll make something <laughs> up. <laughs> and then I have to admit, I do like the end of the episode too, where they have Cassandra goes into her um, her clone slave's body and the Doctor and Rose show her compassion and give her that moment where she goes to see her her you know, her younger self. Mm, I, I do like that and, as well. That is probably the most memorable part of the episode oh, for me because there is that compassion towards yeah. a, like an antagonist it's, as well. And it's so Yeah, it's so touching, like she goes up and just you know, just the you look so beautiful and she's like, Oh, oh thank you and then of course the body gives out and oh you know it you know it you know it get it gets me te- tearing up now just thinking about it but still um as an episode what would you yeah would you rate it robin just even with those higher points well, was, what would you say? say maybe with this um occasion we we each take it in turns to go first with our score and um j- just to you know in case we we feel as if we're not trying to like copy the other person's score or yeah yeah just just so we're not influencing each other oh, yeah this absolutely. one i don't know if i'm being overly harsh on it because it's not a terrible episode but i actually gave it like a four um and i don't know if that no yeah yeah that tracks yeah, I agree. It's not the worst episode, of course not, but it's just not terribly memorable. And I think where it's placed, maybe if it was placed later when we knew the characters a bit more, but again, I can't really remember all that much about it. No, I completely agree with you, man. I think that's absolutely fair, and I again, I'd agree with that score. Um, takes us on to uh, Tooth and Claw, also by mm. Russell D. Davis, which is a. Uh, Features the founding of Torchwood, and the one is not amused Queen Victoria, and is fantastic because obviously we have David Tennant giving his normal accent. <laughs> Isn't it weird that he's the only Doctor not to use his natural accent in the role? Isn't that weird? Yeah, yeah, it's really weird that um, I because after I watched his performance as the Doctor, when I then watched him in interviews, it just threw me off guard, it did. I was like, wait, why is he doing an accent? And I was like, oh, wait, no, that's actually his voice. And it just threw me off completely. <laughs> um, dude, this episode, Werewolf, is a, a freaking werewolf, like, tearing people asunders and... Yeah, there's a there's kung fu nunk, monks at the very start as well, which, as a kid, just blew my mind how brilliant that was. Because that's a really good scene. 
Like, there's a really good scene opener where they have, and they even have them do like the shit, like the, you know, Shaolin like the um, what's my I think the crouch, like the crouching yeah, tiger, hidden dragon, it. like jump through the air and like slow and come back down. Like, it's fantastic. You know, it's these Scottish monks doing that, and yeah, and it's so weird. Thing I think this this episode was written because there was a gap of episodes or something. And obviously, Davis was like, "Oh shit, I have to write something," and wrote it like over a weekend. And it's so it's a it's really fun. good episode. It's, it's so fantastic. It's, really fun. You know? it's got a good atmosphere. Um, we've got mm-hmm. is it Queen Victoria? Am I getting that right? Yeah. Yeah, Queen Victoria, yes. She does so much great chemistry with the rest of them. And even though this is an episode just, as you said, written up so quickly, just be thrown in, it connects to the overall mythos and history of Doctor Who in a much bigger picture because of the formation of Torchwood. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, There's so many little things I love about the episode as well, like, you know, the Doctor and Rose having that bet about they get get her to say, you know, that. You know, it's like, you know, the Doctor's like, I'm not trying, I'm not trying, I'm not going to mess him, I'm not doing that. And Rose is like, Fiverr? He's like, yeah, go on then. (laughs) That is something I love. And like, even like, like, even even a reference to um uh, later to sorry to classic Doctor Who that the name the Doctor gives is Doctor James McCriven is the name of the second Doctor's companion Jamie Jamie McCriven who's one of my favorite companions oh, in all Doctor Who it? as well like he gives his net yeah which is like a lovely little just nod to classic Doctor Who which obviously we get more nods to classic Doctor Who in series two of Doctor Who but yeah. I never knew that factoid. Yeah. Um, that's good. And I think, you know, the werewolf, I think the werewolf, when you first see it, that CGI really holds up. I think when you see the werewolf later on in the episode, maybe not so much. I just, the thing is with Doctor Who, like, you can get away with the budget or the effects not being brilliant provided that the story is interesting the monsters interesting and it's a werewolf tearing apart people with its claws and teeth and it just has fun with itself um while doing all these sort of badass moments with like the monks and that it's still a fact it's still a really good episode like genuinely there's so much stuff i love about it it's a it's a great historical I think it's one of the best historicals in all Doctor Who as well. So I mean, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it now. Or what my rating is? I'm going for a I'm going for a high for a high eight. I am. Re- oh eight. wow! Yeah, no, that that's really giving it praise, mate. I I I gave it about like seven and a half myself. I I really really love it. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, again, this is why I wish I'd done a full rewatch of this whole series if I could just to remember these things I, I still remember things so well and of course second watches can change opinions um, but from what I remember yeah come on well from Doctor Who what's not to love yeah I and I you know and obviously like you say it does lead to the formation of Torchwood which is such a massive thing in terms of the Doctor Who universe now just the ramifications of torch with itself just spring through everything, really. And 
I gotta say, I'm the same, Robin. I, I plan to rewatch all these episodes as well, but obviously, as a father, and uh, you know, I can't exactly be sat here watching Doctor Who when my little boy wants to watch Hey Dougie <laughs> or something. So, you know, his needs come before mine, and unfortunately, we come before the podcast well, as well. But funny enough, know. I mean, I'll be very interested to see if I still keep these scores when I come back to Doctor Who season two, because my partner, she mm. is. She really wants to watch season two in particular because she's a big fan of David Tennant and she's never watched it. So we've dug out my old box set um, and we're going to start watching that at some point when we next get a chance. And yeah, see if it holds up. And if we do decide to go with three and four as well, then I'll have uh, fresh memories for when we talk about those ones. That's fantastic. I I feel like because I've watched one, I feel I've watched one series one to five so many times that I can, I can you know I can reel off those episodes and remember so much about them really really easily. So I can do that without rewatching because I feel like I rewatched it just recently anyway. Six and seven and eight, I probably six seven eight nine ten and other ones I'd have to rewatch to properly get Same. proper scores on I'd say you know without the you know with the odd episode obviously being like oh no I can remember everything about that so yeah but yeah um anyway episode 3 of uh series 2 of Doctor and I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to have to hold back the tears on this one cuz it's school reunion written by Toby Toby Whithouse or Whitehouse can't remember how to pronounce his name which obviously features the fantastic Elizabeth Sladen back as Sarah Jane Smith from the classic series. Her first appearance in modern Doctor Who. You, you, you take a moment to get your breather. Just, just earlier today, I actually rewatched. Um, Farewell, Sarah Jane, which is the short they put together for Doctor Who Lockdown, which if people haven't oh, watched, I've you should, because that. it is just, it's it, it's the send-off that Elizabeth Sladen deserved, because, you know, tragically she passed, I believe, during the filming of the final series of Sarah Jane Adventures, and they have planned to do more as well, but, yeah, she passed away tragically of cancer in mm. 2011, and... There is a massive hole in the Doctor Who community with because of that, and even now, you know, even ten years later, and she was such a brilliant, brilliant actress and such a fantastic person from everything I've seen about her, and yeah, she is sorely missed. Um, rest in peace, Liz. She genuinely. She does a really good job in that episode as well. She really does, um, which I think in all honesty, is a saving grace because I'm really not a fan of this episode. I... I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry, I'm just making the... I'm just making the surprise Pikachu... I'm making the surprise Pikachu face I, at Robin right now. Ignoring um, the actress's brilliant work, I just don't think it's a good, interesting episode. It's Aliens getting school kids to help them what is it make rocket fuel or what, what, what's the premise again because it, it's something kind of stupid 
they're trying to assimilate because they assimilate different parts of the the races they take over robin and how dare you it's a, such a dark opening right this is it this is where we're gonna have our fight here, here we go right this is it i didn't know it was gonna happen okay, this early okay, but here we go it. right the episode it's it's so dark in the opening you have anthony head in as one of the best like villains one-off villains in doctor who let's face it, anthony head is just brilliant in anything anyway and he's just fantastic in this episode. It's so dark at the opening. You have the little girl outside his office, you know, and he's like, "Come on in," you know. She's like she's an orphan and she's being so he eats her. He eats her, Robin. Yeah, I, I heard you the first time. You have you have the Doctor undercover as a as a blooming, uh, physics teacher. You have Rose as a bloody dinner lady. You have. Elizabeth Slade and back of Sarah Jane was one of the best companions of Doctor Who. Just there. You have K9 come back. What is not to love? Uh, oh, yeah, Jack, because the, the reintroduction of a robot dog is... Uh... <laughs> Joking all aside, you know, having K9 back is, is fun. But I just... The school setting. Don't you say a bad word against the goodest of boys. <laughs> Oh wow! I uh, whew, I opened up a whole can of worms with this one. Um, whether or not the the fans yeah. of this podcast agree with Jack, or uh, well, if they do agree with Jack, I'm definitely right. going on. Let me let me sell let me sell let me sell you on the episode with one scene. Mm-hmm. Okay. Obviously, early earlier in the episode, we first see Sarah Jane. She's brought into the staff room as a reporter doing a, and the doctor sees her and. The look of, I mean, it, it must have been so easy for David Tennant to act because that's one of his childhood mm, companions yeah. there. And like the look of genuine, like sheer joy on his face is so real, you know? And like, he's like, you know, uh, doc, you know, it's like Dr. John Smith. And she's like, oh, I have a friend who, I had a friend who used to go oh. by that once. <laughs> and it's like, oh, oh. And then the moment where she's, you know, it's at night and they're going from the school and she goes into the, uh, I think it's in the in the uh, in the gym or something or the hall. She goes through and she's like, she looks through and she's like, the TARDIS. And she steps back. She's like, and the music plays and then she's t- you know and she's he's, and then he stood behind. It, it's like, hello, Sarah Jane. And it's like, oh, it just because she knows that he regenerates and it's like, oh my god, that scene is just sheer. Elizabeth Sladen actor arse off there david Tennant is there as well it's just that scene is so brilliant and then you know you have all the little snips about you know with sarah jane and rose as well being like you know that like sarah jane's like the old girlfriend <laughs> because you know there was a lot of you know that sarah jane was the doctor's best friend and there maybe may or may not have been like a romantic thing there but it's still kind of like and we've seen it with other companions as well it's like you know you traveled with other people other than me and you know, I thought I was special, but you have those little bits between I, I, her I do and love Rose, and it's like you know, just listed off the different monsters that they faced. Just like the cattiness of it, you know. I'm not saying oh, there's bad. You know, I'm, I'm like not saying that there isn't good moments in the episode. I'm just saying, as a an episode goes, the school setting just doesn't interest me, and. Maybe, maybe it's because I'm a teacher, and even though I'm a primary school teacher, maybe I'm just like, I can let that go. And I think it's 
I just think it's a really good episode, dude, genuinely. And I think just having Sarah Jane there and K9 is just icing on the top. I'm like, and tell me again, tell me you don't shed a tear when you hear, tell me you don't shed a tear in that bit where they are, they're running away and the K9's there, he's going to sacrifice himself. And he's like, he's like, the, uh, the, the fact is explosive. I will use my weapon on full power. And the doctor's like, no, no, you won't survive. He's like, but you will. It's like, and he's just, you good dog. Affirmative master. It's like, oh, like, the thing is, I've got to base my. Tell me, tell me, don't shed a tear. Base my opinions based on my first introduction to these episodes or when I first watched them. Because yes, it's been years since I've watched these episodes, which is going to have an impact, whether it be when you're a kid and watching these for the first time with a very different opinion, or whether you'd be an adult who gets to rewatch these things. I've, I've caught some of these episodes again when I've been older, but I've just not watched that episode again since its first airing. And for me, I just don't remember it being that higher quality. Maybe I will... Uh, maybe, uh, maybe I will come back to you, Jacket, and I will be full-on apologetic after I rewatch it with my partner, but into then um have your pitchforks at the ready because i am giving it a four robin you're an allowed you're allowed (laughs) an opinion even if it's the wrong one okay i respect your opinion even though it's wrong okay yeah it's a six let's face it it is you know it's a six it's pretty good you know you know the best parts of it are anthony head elizabeth slade and the canine but yeah it's a, it's a six I, you know and is it just me yeah i bet i bet you i bet you thought i was gonna lord it as like a 10 or something but but, but no yeah no it's just like it yeah seven it's seven or eight at least, it's so come on give me some slack nah, there. Dude, nah. <laughs> but, nah. Um, <laughs> you'd be craking there i'll just yank your chain uh, let's face it and i I, th- I think a lot i think a lot of that for me is just so it's so entrenched in liz sladen and what she means to doctor who and to me personally as a fan that i was just you know, yeah, genuine. And, that, and that's why that's why I love that one so much. But like I say, it's not it's not top in the list of top ten episodes and to me. It's I just not. Say, is it just me, or did people think that the headmaster in that was the demon headmaster from the original BBC children's show of the same name? I don't know, but they totally should re- They should totally should do it with Anthony Head as the demon headmaster because he'd be fantastic in that. God, that- that took me back. That did with that. Just, I just thought it's like, is that the demon yeah. headmaster? <laughs> and, and no, it's not. But it just, I could just remember the theme yeah. tune to that show in my head. Um. <laughs> right. Well, dude, that brings us on to episode four. Which, Robin, it's Moffat time. Uh, dude, I think for this episode that... we could be safely in agreement. With our waiting, um, let's well let's see about that. This obviously the episode we're talking about now is the girl in the fireplace, which you know Moffat not content enough with uh, scaring the shit out of us with uh, you know <laughs> in series one with the empty child decides to now make clockwork androids that can hide under your bed and scare the shit out of you. They are such cool design. I'm I'm a huge steampunk fan, 
and their designs, the way they move, and to have an enemy that, if I'm remembering correctly, they don't talk, do they? They don't, They. I think they have a little bit of speaking, but it's not like you would be like, Ah, oh, Doctor, you have unraveled my plan. No, it... You know, not, they're not like that, are they? It's a character-focused episode, which I think makes it work so well. You have the enemies there, and they are really great. They are, they stand out so much. Because they come back for, like, a future episode, don't they? That, that, uh, yeah, Moffat, re, you know, reintroduces the idea in um, Deep Breath, which is the first episode of Series 8 mm. in Capaldi's era. Yeah. But, which, you know, and that's, that's, that's a good episode as well, but we'll, you know, sure. we'll get to that at some point. But they're so creative, and the whole episode from start to finish, it's... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. In, like, it's, it introduces us to this romantic side of the Doctor, which we've not really seen before. No, no. You know, we've all obviously we know when we first met him in way all the way back in uh, in an, earth, in an earthly child that he was someone's grandfather, but we never have actually seen him sort of be romantic apart from maybe you know a kiss in the TV movie. But you know we've no, we've never seen the Doctor and certainly the Temp Doctor totally just he dives headfirst into this romantic character, you know this romantic mm. hero, doesn't he? Like. And yeah, Sophia Miles does a fantastic job as Renette, uh, you know, Madame de Pompadour There's as well. So many memorable moments in that episode as well. Like the build up, like the mystery, the stuff on the ship is really good, the stuff at the fireplace. It's very fairy tale esque, that fireplace that sort of connects the two. Yeah, it's almost as if Moffat was trying out something which, you know, obviously fairy tale becomes a bit of a theme when he takes over for Matt mm, Smith. So just a tad. Yeah. Um and I'll say it now before I forget, his moment on the horse leaping out of the mirror, that is one of his most epic moments. And when he just lads it gives that gives that smile, it's just Oh yeah, and like he has that bit as well. Where it's like you know, it was like, uh, it's like, who are you? It's like, like, well, who are you? It's like, oh, he's the king of France, yeah. Well, I'm a lord of time. <laughs> and it's like, oh, like, and it is because that doctor can be pretty mm. petty, can't he, tenth doctor? And like, oh, there's so many great things. And like, you have the bit where Rose and like Rose and Mickey take a back back seat in that mm. episode as well. Like, you know, it's Mickey's first trip in the TARDIS. Who, you know, obviously less said about Noel Clark the better, but um. You know, uh, um, you know they take a back seat in the ap- that episode, like Rose in particular, which is strange. And like they have that bit where they're both captured, and the Doctor saunders in after having been on a date with, uh, you know, with Renette. You know, and after after we've had the whole, I'm the Doctor, and I just snubbed Madame de Pompadour. <laughs> what a you line. know? He comes back in with a tie around his head, and like you know, it's like you know, you are so thick, so thickly thick, 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 and so's your dad. Oh, it's so fun. And then he pulls the, the wine, you know. And then, oh, yeah, sorry, I just remembered it now. And Rose has that bit where she's strapped up. She's like, you know, the doctor's going to come. And then she hears him. He's like, oh, here he is. And it's like, it's like you know, he's coming in and he's got the tie around his head, the sunglasses. And he's like, oh, no, no, singing something like. And she's like, here he is, the oncoming storm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. 
Oh, it's such a brilliant. And like even stuff like, like you know, oh Arthur the horse. It's like, You're not keeping the horse. I let you keep Mickey. <laughs> oh, I forget that line, but it's so good. Uh, I I love this episode. I this has been one of those episodes that I've we watched several times just on its own start to finish it just tells such a good standalone story we get such great performances memorable encounters it's i'll I'll say right now i think it's a 10 out of 10 episode for me i just love it Mm, i do too it's one of my favorite episodes it is i would give i'd agree with that i give it a 10 out of 10 there's so much about it i think yeah, and you know what? I'm going to say it now, even though it's the best episode in series two. It is. It genuinely is. I, you know what? I I would agree with that. There's some really awesome episodes coming up that we are talking about in a bit. But it, as an episode goes, just for its story and what it tells in that space of time, it doesn't feel like a long episode either. Some episodes of Doctor Who, you can feel like, okay, this is dragging on a bit. You know, we can wrap this up. That episode, though, it just feels like it's a complete story. Oh, totally. It's just, oh, so much about it. It's so, so tragic at the end there as well. Like, you know, when the doctor's like, you know, pack a bag, Renette, I'll be back in a minute. And he comes back and it's already, it's too late. Like, oh. So sad. And we get that final shot with the ship's name and it's like, mm, yeah, the feelings every time. Yeah. Oh, feels right in the heart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that one. I really do. Um, following that, we have the two-parter by Rob uh, Mac- uh, Mac- McRae, McRae uh, which is the Rise of the Cybermen and the Age Bring of Steel. Bringing back the Cyber Boys. Now, love my Cyber Boys. Yeah, and this this had me so hyped because obviously in Series 1 they brought back the Daleks. And uh, it was announced way ahead of time uh, that the Cybermen were going to be coming back. And I remember, um, 15-year-old I was at a time, uh, maybe, no, I would have been 14 at a time. I think I was on work experience when it was announced, uh, oh, doing yeah. my work experience for school. And uh, I remember being like, so, like, oh my God, oh my God, the, the, the Cybermen. And the next one's coming back. Because I'd already watched a few of the older, the older episodes by that point. I was like, oh my god, the Cybermen are coming. That's so cool. That's awesome. And, you know, I've said before on record, the Cybermen are my favourite villain in all of Doctor Who. It's interesting you should say and... that because after listening to a lot of Big Finish and seeing the types of stories that they feature in, where their parallels is the fact that they are so stripped away of their humanity, that's what makes them so horrifying. I kind of want to say the Cybermen are my favourite villains as well. Like, they're very much up there for me. Mm. Totally, man, totally. And it's so weird because this is this is a parallel Earth story, you know? Robin, we're, we're seeing variants of, uh, of uh, Pete Tyler and Jackie <laughs> Tyler and a variant of Mickey who's called Ricky. Don't, don't give me false hope. Just, just don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> But yeah, like, and I, th- I think it's always cool to. Ha- I-, I always love a parallel Earth story, and like Doctor Who is full of them. Where- whereas you know, even if you look back at the third Doctor Zero, there's Inferno, which is a really good parallel Earth story. Um, you know, they've had ones in the expanded media as well. Whereas you know, let's face it, the most 
you know, if I said to you Parallel Earth, Robin, let's face it, the first thing you think of probably would be Nazi World, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. That. You know, and they've done they've done that before in expanded media Doctor Who as well. Like, because of course, that, that's that's the go to. There's always Parallel World, though the Nazi World. Yeah, it's always, and I'm I'm doing that that meme again. So if they're aliens, Nazis. <laughs> Nazis. <laughs> Yeah, let's face it, you know, we all, we, you know, we all just, we love, you know, we love killing Nazis. I, I was going to say, you, you definitely need to phrase that better, you know, like, don't don't leave the pause, just tell the people what it is straight away before they figure say something else. Yep. We killer love killing Nazis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <And> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then obviously we have a fantastic parallel world story here in terms of you know rise to sidemen and age of steel you know and it's strange as well if you think about i think it's strange because we see the cybermen in this but they're not the same cybermen that we would have seen in classic doctor who they're completely you know i love their design because obviously in class i think they are oh yeah their design is iconic great new redesign because even though i've gone to love those original designs because even though they're not like the best quality wise it's the fact that those face masks you can reinterpret as hospital masks you know like a patient and that voice i love that uh we are the uh cyber man mm. just that voice oh it's so haunting and so iconic and i i wish yeah. they talked about that, that and, and i gotta say i w- yeah i prefer that i do prefer that in you know, in classic and big finish Doctor Who. And I know you're thinking yeah, of spare parts I, of that bit. We have the sing-song voice that just hides the pain behind it. Which obviously we, sh- we would see in series 10 as well of Doctor spare Who. Spare parts, but... people just, if you're going to listen to a big finish, that's my recommendation. I love that one. Yeah, spare, oh, we love spare parts. But, you know, obviously when I watched this for the first time, I hadn't, I hadn't listened no, to spare same, parts, same. so it was the thing. Um, so, you know, and I, I really enjoyed this, you know, it's, it's a fantastic introduction to this new version of the Cybermen, but they're stomping feet, you know, and their voice, which just sounds a bit more like they all emotion stripped from it. Delete, you will be deleted, which I felt a bit like, like, eh, this is just trying to take off the, uh, you know, the Daleks exterminate. It, it, it but, is a bit unfortunate like that, but when you realize what they're doing to people like because we hear the people screaming we hear the sounds of these machines like stripping away at them while they're still alive turning them into cybermen yeah and the dude's just like oh play play some music i can't listen to this in the yeah. jungle <laughs> the mighty and then we've still got them we hear them screaming it's like it's such a fantastic episode because it sets up the atmosphere completely mm. doesn't it like you know, it's building, you're building to that point where the Cybermen first appear. I, before we get on to waiting and everything, how are we going to do our two parters? Are we going to wait them individually, or are we going to do them as a whole? I think we did them as a whole for series one, so I think we should follow mm. on with that. Really, I, is there anything else we need to talk about with this one? I mean, seeing uh, Wiki's just getting zapped. The way that he does that's one of those 
in in yeah. recent times you can now sort of put that on repeat and be like it's yeah, it's it's it's. I was gonna say you can put on the on the sort of the more cathartic pile now, can't you? <laughs> like, ooh, oh, 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 yeah, what a shame that. <laughs> yeah, but then you know, I think there's so much. You know, you have great moments in that second episode in Age of Steel with you know Pete Tyler obviously being, you know, Rose's parallel dad, and you know, you know, I didn't expect you know it to be Scooby doing his mates in their van and what have you, and like you have. Such brilliant little character moments, which I feel like are missing in more recent Doctor Who as well. Like you have moments where the story can just breathe. Like when they, when the Doctor and uh, I can't remember her name, but the female uh, uh, resistance worker or resistance fighter with him, they were going through like the tunnels underneath oh, all the Cybermen yeah, yeah. there, and they stop one, and like they stop her inhibitor, like the inhibitor of the Cybermen, and it's a woman, and she was like just married or something or just gonna be married and they speak to her as she passes away like in like oh you know and then obviously you have John Lumick come at the end turn to the cyber king or cyber controller whatever it is with his big flashy lights <laughs> and you know and they had the blimp as well which I remember I don't know if you remember this but for this series they had like little TARDISodes which they'd shut, put up just after an episode aired which was like a like a couple minutes like mini episode to lead you into the episode but you would also have games and you went around the world for this with blimps trying to stop cybermen and it was so much fun internet games that came out yeah i'm glad you mentioned that because that's gonna that's gonna come into a later episode um that we're gonna be talking about um because I, I wanted to bring back that fact. Because I'm glad you remembered it. Because that was something that I loved and looked forward to the end of each episode. And do you remember there was a competition to design a game and have it be in it? No. Yeah, there was, no, there, I don't remember that. I mean, I remember, every, I remember every week finishing the episode of, uh, of Doctor Who and be like, Oh my god, i got to go check out the Tyler soap. Then be like... Mum, get off the phone! <laughs> Which I'm sorry, but anyone you know younger than us won't get that reference at all. But yeah, I, <laughs> and then checking it out and doing that. Oh so, wow! <laughs> unless I'm making this up, but I'm dead certain that there was a competition to come up with a game to be designed at the very end, and I don't know why. But I can still remember to this day that my suggestion for a Dot Who online flash game was a clone of Super Smash Brothers. I, <laughs> I have no idea why, because I was like, I pitched um, you could play as a Dalek, a Cyberman. I think you could play as like the Doctor with Sonic Screwdriver. It's like, yeah, this this seems like something the Doctor would do, like. Fight on the final destination stage. Wing out a Dalek. <laughs> so who do you main? Uh, well, I main as uh, Zygon, uh, personally. Uh, who, do you, who do you main as? Oh, I main as a, as a Wirren. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, mate. Like, who's your main? Oh, you don't, what, you main as a Dalek? <laughs> uh, actually, guys, I main the Absorbaloff. You know, he's uh, clearly the best fighter. <laughs> oh, my God. Azorbalov is so broken. Like, why would you? Why would you play that? Like, it's not even tournament legal. I, I have no idea either if there are any Doctor Who mods 
to any modded Super Smash Brothers fan games because I know those exist. Um, but I want to see that now, and I had no idea why I thought that was a viable option. I feel, I feel like on the list of mods for Smash Bros, it's like Goku and anime characters up here, and the need for Doctor Who is like way <laughs> down here. So, but that was a, a, a fun little factoid about my uh, my pitch, which was sadly not chosen. Well, you know, of course, later on, I suppose fan submission will be something which we come to with later episodes. But right, um, anyway. Uh, Rise of Cybermen, Age of Steel. Um, how would you... Or actually, Is it my turn to go first? I can't even remember. Um, well, let's see. The, the last one we talked about was the Girl in the Fireplace, which I, I went ahead and I just said I thought it was a 10, so you go ahead first, mate. Okay. I I think this one... I think it's a strong two-parter. I think there are ups and downs of it. But I, I give it an 8 across the board. I think it's a strong two-parter. 8 as well, mate. I, I wrote that as well. I, while they're not the creme de la creme. Dude, it's bringing back the Cybermen. We get some awesome action scenes, some legit horror behind them, um, and introduce some parallel worlds, and for better word, variants. It's... Well, the only the only thing I'll say is with there's only one thing which does bring it down to the eight for me, and that's the end of Rise of the Cybermen, the beginning of Age of Steel. Which makes me think of Misery. If you've ever read the book or watched the film, uh, Robin. Misery. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Where, uh, obviously, she, you know, uh, um, Annie... Is it Annie? I can't remember her name. The uh, character. But she has this thing about, you know, how at the end of something, like, you know, be like, he was gonna die, you know, no matter what. And then there was a stupid cock a cheating thing, which meant that... Uh, you know, something happened, and I kind of feel like that with the end of Rise of Cybermen. You're all going to die, and then it start of Age of Steel. Ooh, instantly out of the problem. <laughs> yeah, I, I I give you that. That's probably why I gave it like an eight as well. Um, just it's good fun. It's a good Cyberman story. I'm. I know the Cybermen it come is. back in like Judy's series, which I'm looking forward to seeing Cybermen again in their take. Um, and hopefully it's a good Superman story when it's that. Yeah, I think the, the sad thing is that the that this is probably until Jodie's era, this is probably the best Superman story of modern Doctor. Oh no, it's not actually because we get we get the brilliant uh, um, more than enough in time in Doctor Fools actually, which is probably the best Superman story. So I take that back. But of the like the David Tennant stuff, this is probably the best Superman story. <laughs> yeah. Because that they don't get really get really a good one after this, but yeah. Right. Anyway, next um, brings us the on to lantern. the idiot's lantern. Ooh, in 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 uh, stereo apparently. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the idiot's lantern by Mark Gatus. So thoughts? Fucking sucks. Yeah, it's it's not an appealing interesting threat like the setting you know I, I love my past episodes I love to see different props and costumes and time periods but just having the enemy just constantly go hungry like it, it's it's not Andre like the eaten killer plant from Sh- Little Shop of Horrors it's it's nowhere, nowhere near <laughs> close it's f- 
Yeah, like Maureen, Maureen Lippman, she does a good job, bless her, like as the villain in it, but gosh almighty, yeah, it is just a bit like that. And like, and like, there's only one bit which I do like, where it's like, um, like I think someone's like thing about the Doctor like going up the radio t- tower, radio mast, and it's like, you know, are you going to do that? It's like, oh, I'm just a bit nervous, like, oh, I'm going to sound you know, it's like, yeah, she's like, fell off one of them once. <laughs> And which is a reference to the fourth Doctor falling off yeah, and degenerating yeah. into the fifth. So. Oh, mate, it's just... I mean, there's there's some fun moments. We get the Doctor and Rose, like, talking about Ghostbusters. Um, but the stuff of, like, having your face yeah. taken off and putting into a TV screen, that's... I, I always thought that was kind of stupid. Yeah, it's not. It's not great. Like, there's there's some good myths. You know, I always remember the bit where the Doctor and Rose uh, win one over on the dad character, and like the Rose is on about her how, you know, the like the that like the flag is like the union. It's only called the Union Jacket. See, it's the Union flag. Uh, on you know on land and stuff, and like other stuff about like the Doctor gets whacked by one of the goons, and he's like, oh hell of a right hook. <laughs> Like you know, there's little little things that I like, but yeah, it's it's not a strong episode. Let's face it. I'm gonna go on. You give your rating, and let's see what I, I say. Again, this is one of those episodes that is tricky for me to wait because I've not seen this episode for so long. But it's not one that I ever hear people talk about either. It's not like it's a particularly strong episode in the first place. It's it's not one that I hear people talk about with with um, a lot of love. It's one that I hear people talk about with not much love at all. So, yeah, if that helps anything. I honestly don't know if I'd give it a three or four, because it's definitely not an awful, awful episode. Oh, yeah, no. I'd probably give it, like, a four. It's fine. Yeah. um, I don't know, because I feel like I I gave New Earth a four. Mm. Oh, and like, oh, that is true. And I'm like, if I was looking at those episodes, I I definitely rank New Earth like higher than Idiot's oh, Lantern. True. I give I give Idiot's Lantern a three at best, personally. Do you know what? I'm I'm gonna do the exact same because I'd rather watch New Earth than the Idiot's Lantern. Um, like you know, if someone if someone put a gun to my head and was like, "Watch Idiot's Lantern," obviously I'd watch Idiot's oh, Lantern. Yeah, of but you know, <laughs> but like, but like you know, if if someone was like, "You have to watch Idiot's Lantern on New Earth," I'd be like, "New Earth, thanks. I'll take the bitchy trampoline." <laughs> I just love that. That's the go-to name for that carrot. <laughs> there we go. That that should be. Yeah. <laughs> she should be in Smash Brothers, and she just deflects moves back. <laughs> Cassandra, the pitchy oh, trampoline, no. uh, talks out of her ass. Like, she, she's basically just got Fox's reflection ability. It's like, hiya, hiya, hiya. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how, how. We're very, very, very niche, uh, very niche uh, mm. fandom love right here now. If you like Doctor Who and you like Smash Brothers, we're, we're here for you. This is, uh, this is your podcast. <laughs> how about we move on to an episode. Two episodes actually that are very, very good. Very, very divisive. These next two, mm. aren't they? Yeah. Next up, Love and Monsters oh, oh. by no, Russell T. No, Davis, it, it's, featuring it's not that one. 
Oh no, you're right. Sorry, no, sorry, I skipped. Oh, I skipped mate, a two parter. Yeah, your you're right. Episode. How could you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so next up, uh, by by Matt Jones, uh, the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit. I wonder what that second one's about. Not much to the imagination. I don't know. I don't know. What could it be about, Yugi? <laughs> I. Dude, the introduction of the Ood. I love their design. Oh, yeah. I love. You know what? And I love the Ood even more now because of Time Lord Victorious oh, and Brian. Yeah, Brian. Brian the Ood. Brian's great. Like, guys, guys, don't like, don't be sleeping on Brian the Ood. Brian the Ood, top 10 companion. Straight like, up. Not only. Are they such a good designer monster? Like animatronics wise, the way the the tentacles move, the eyes and the way they communicate through the balls. Um is is it this one where they have them have different voices for each one, including like a Simpsons reference? No, I think that's that's later oh, on no, that. Getting that's, ahead of myself. that's later on. That's that's in series four, yeah. That's that's Planet of the Ood, yeah, getting ahead of yourself there. But like what I love about it is how placid and how non threatening the Ood look normally. But then the minute you oh, give them yeah. red eyes. So Cthulhu esque. Like and so terrifying as well. And it there's definitely like Cthulhu esque like inspiration with their design, I gotta say. And like the whole idea of the you know, of the of the beast the you know. Beast. It's so it, oh it my gosh. really is. Um, oh, what's that horror movie I'm thinking about? Is it Dark Horizon I'm thinking of? Which is basically Dead Space, the movie. Um, where they just take that sort of madness and they use that in the episode. Because um, it's so, so good. Oh, it, it, do you mean the one where it's like a portal to hell opened in space? Yeah, I think so. Is it... Yeah, is that is it Event oh, Horizon? I can't you. remember. Like, I'm, I'm it? sure it's Event Horizon. It's it's what inspired Dead Space. Um, oh. And oh my god, wow! The Dead Space is way better than Event Horizon. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I... But yeah, I'm... dude, I love the Ood. The Ood are absolutely amazing. Um, they're that switch from placid to shit your pants like oh my god scary like it's yeah and that claustrophobic environment as well that always adds to those types of stories Mm. yeah and like a proper like alien world as well which again you know i know new earth was the first time we saw it in like new doctor who was actually going to a new planet but again we had them going to an to a you know into space in this yeah one, didn't no they, they uh, which is they finally bring back the classic doctor who set of uh what what is it a, a, a gravel pit or <laughs> yeah a quarry, a quarry yeah you've <laughs> um, you, you got to have a quarry yeah it's oh yeah you have a quarry and like oh it's you know and of course that's the first time we see the spacesuit uh which gets used an awful lot just because I imagine rather than making a new spacesuit, they just grab it out of the, you know, the uh, props department or the costume department of the See, BBC. I prefer for, that. I know. much prefer it when they actually reuse props or um, 
items and things from the episodes because actually it makes them feel like these are an interconnected thing. These aren't just separated episodes. Oh, these yeah. Are I like what you'd see in the future. Yeah, and like to be fair, like so- yeah, sorry, no, dude, sorry. And to be fair, like, you know, when we see this later on, it's like, well, actually, yeah, I guess the Doctor would still have it in the TARDIS from, uh, you know, we see it again in Waters of Mars, I believe, uh, him in this spacesuit. And, like, it makes sense that he'd still have it, because obviously, you know, he ended this episode with it still on. So, like, yeah, he'd still have it in the TARDIS knocking about. the great thing is, you could even say, because I think it takes place after the events of this one, in the timeline, at least. But, um... The spacesuits that they wear in the library episodes, the first time we see with a song, that's very similar, and you could argue that there may be an updated version of that same suit. Yeah, actually, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, they do look quite, yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I think I think the design of the beast is mm. themselves, and like, and the actor that that plays like the character that is um, possessed by. His consciousness is just a fantastic job as well. It, it's a good one. It's weird enough though. When I rewatched it re- like recently, I was I was I wasn't that struck by it. But I think thinking about it more more now and thinking about the things I like about it, I think I'm going to rate it highly higher than I would have. Okay, because I I've, I've given it quite a high score myself. Because um, okay. for me, I just remember the atmosphere being absolutely impeccable the claustrophobic space the introduction mm-hmm. to the ooze the uh the heavy metal album cover that is the freaking devil facing off against the doctor um which is a badass yeah. screensaver as it were um i i gave it like a solid nine i did wow see i yeah okay yeah and that's the two parts yeah, yeah yeah like across yeah i an eight, I'd okay, say. That's for me. Fair. Like it's a good two-parter, but there are better two-parters in Doctor Who. I gotta say, so I would say it's an eight. You know, low eight for me because, like I say, re- I rewatched it recently and I was less thinking about it. But I think thinking more about it now and thinking more, maybe I just wasn't in the right mood. Maybe she didn't feel the atmosphere as much. But I think, based on me thinking about it more now, I'd say yeah, low eight is my mm. rating for that one. I'm- I'm really curious about re-watching these episodes as well when I get round to doing so. Because I have such fond memories with David Tennant and I really, really want to sit down and re-watch them. See if they hold up as well as they did or think better of them now that I'm older or think Mm -hmm. worse of them. But I don't think our opinions will ever change for this next episode. Oh yeah, should we just skip the next two and go straight <laughs> to the final two-parter? Because like, I I think we've got to talk about them. We can't. Not. Okay. Fine, fine, fine. Okay, episode ten: uh, Love and Monsters by Russell D. Davis. Um, you have an episode. That they're done. We talked about it. Moving on. <laughs> 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 you have a, a monster created by a Blue Peter fan. Uh, he was gone on record. I follow, uh, I think it's, uh, I can't remember his name, but he's on Twitter and on YouTube. Uh, go check him out. Um, and even he is like, as the creator of the Absorbaloff, please, big finish, don't use him any at all, ever. 
like he's pretty you know he's like i was a kid i was a kid i oh and he is a tro he is you know horrified don't, by the don't episode blame the kid because if you look back at his original design like the Azorbaloth was this huge creature that was absorbing cars and the like and was like this equivalent to the blob and that is perfect for a villain you could do so much for that and that could be a real intimidating scary threat the, uh. yeah it was this oh my god well this was our first Doctor Light episode mm. as well like that we saw and obviously which became a trend but this is the worst one of them I remember you know like like don't get me wrong I think there are parts of this that I enjoy like you know I think some of the Linda stuff when they're actually just being nice and happy and you know it's quite sweet and but then you know Peter K comes in as who I, I love Peter Kay, but what a waste mm. of a fantastic actor. Like, or of a fantastic comedic actor to have him playing basically a straight character. It's, you know? It sucks as well, because the premise, it could work. It could really, really work. But it turns so Scooby-Doo, literally with them doing that chase scene through the doors, that straight whipped out of Scooby-Doo. Uh, oh, yeah. And, like, the like the red bucket cold boiling... Oh, like, oh, the red bucket, blue bucket thing. Like, oh, my goodness sake. And, um... Like, oh, my oh, God. Oh, hey, where's this other person who we can't see his face? And it's like, he's on his ass. Ha-ha. Uh-huh. Oh, but then also, you have the end of it, like, you know, that, you know... Elton, fetch a spade. That's... And her face is on the slab at the end. And in Russell T. Davis basically makes a blowjob yeah. joke in uh, Doctor it's... Who. Oh. Like, because, like, oh, we even have a bit of a love life. Oh, no, no. please. God, no. Oh, I, no. I, I don't want to be thinking about oh. a concrete fleshlight. I really don't in Doctor Who. Oh. And, like, Mark <laughs> Warren as well. Like, it's a, there's, it's a great cast. It's a really great cast of acts they have in this episode, but Jesus Christ! You, you know, oh, it's t- oh, dude, oh, you, you know when you see a costume, and sometimes a costume can be saved if it's hidden in the darkness or something. No, they have the absorber off in broad daylight, and it just looks like the most uncomfortable thing. Yeah, just, 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 just running through the screen. And like, like the only uh, you know, there's a redeeming bit. It's kind of funny when he's like, "Oh, he looks a bit like a Savine." Yeah, are you are you from Raxcorporatorius? No, but we're from a cousin planet, Clom. Like Clom, yeah, Clom. Like that's yeah. kind of funny, but like, ah, oh, just that dude. It's a two for me. Really? I mean, it's a two because there are worse ones. It's a two. That's it. There are some little bits I like about it, but it's a two. That's it. All right. Two. Really? Move on. Okay, I've, one for me. I just cannot stand that episode. Um, but hey, at least the next episode brings things back, right? Oh, right. fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Fear Hurt, Matthew Graham, this one's by. And um, I felt so fucking... Sorry, I'm, you, I'm you, really you sorry go for about it. this because I'm really getting... My... Right, I, I, th- I felt so... In 2012, when... In, tw- in 2012, when we had the Olympics, Robin, in London, I felt so copped out they didn't have David Tennant actually run in full <laughs> costume, do it with the torch. 
because I was like, they they had to because you know because this is mm. set in 2012, obviously, which is weird now. But it's it's a future episode, but it's in our past now. Yeah, like, ain't that weird? That is really weird. And like, you know, you've got some really bad child acting in it. Let's face it. You've got again, you've got some really good actors being wasted in this. Like oh the, my God, the, the yes. premise could work because when you're do- dealing with um, an abusive parent or like this fear mm-hmm. of not necessarily even like a monster but this monster that is someone that your family someone that you should love that in itself you can write that to be so powerful in its own way and be a whole new challenge for Doctor Who entirely but what they mm-hmm. do, it's... Oh, I mean, I don't know what you're going to give this episode if you gave the Absorber off a two, because for me, this this is a two. Like, it's not as bad as the no. Absorber off. But... This one, you know what the thing about this one? This, the, you know what the, the, the cardinal sin of this episode is, really, for them? It's boring. Most of it is really boring, this episode. Whereas there's bad stuff in the one before, this one is boring. And in my mind, we're in Doctor Who, for the most part, boring is worse than bad. Because at least with bad, you can you can watch it and be like, eh, you know, you can you can kind of laugh at mm. it. You know, it's like the yeah. room. You know, definitely, mate. But you could not say that about this. But this is just, you know, and like there are some good bits in this episode. I mainly think about the bit where Rose is like, oh, you're a pretty boy to the cat. And the doctor's like, oh, thank you. And then you realise <laughs> she's talking to the cat. He's like, oh. And then, you know, the bit where it's like a, uh, the doctor's there looking, like, looking at where the, the boy disappeared from the dad. And he's like, what's your game? And he's like, uh, Scrabble? Uh, snakes and ladders? Uh, <laughs> and then, like, you know, he has a bit, he's like, fingers on lips. And everyone does that. But, yeah, it's so- just a bit. It's a bit of a pants episode, isn't it? And especially, like, again, and I don't blame the the actress, bless her, the young girl. She does a good job, but if you're going to do, like, if you're going to have such the story weighted on one particular character and it's going to be a child actor, you've got to make sure they're really good. uh, So, earlier, I brought up the, uh, the Doctor Who internet games that appeared at the end of every episode. And... Can you remember what this one was? No, I can't. So I can't for remember. this one, no. it's basically it's a maze game of you going around collecting the pictures and it's just a loop of the song that they use in that episode of um, oh. the, the, the Bushkin tree. But it's like, but it's on a loop. It's on like a five second loop. Was just like oh my god seriously like me and then it just loops and it's like oh my god this is what we're gonna hear but hair later just the same five ten second loop of this boring boring game like this was very much one of those ones where like I've got to do a game every week uh 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 just maze wanna there we go uh music. De- oh, we've only got ten oh, seconds. Uh, do, do a loop. Do a loop. That's fine. No one cares about this one. Do you know? Do you know what's hilarious is that if they were doing it now, we'd have a blooming. We'd have a. We'd have a temple run game, probably a Flappy Bird. <laughs> There'd be no, an no, Among Us. Do, I don't know. Do. Slender Man collecting the pages. Come on. 
Well, yeah, that would actually be oh, good, true. and that would be actually that that would that would uh, I think that would be that you know the BBC actually knew how to market Doctor Who, which obviously they don't know how to do anymore because we've not heard anything about series thirteen in a long, long time. Anyway, moving um, on. What was I going to say? Um, this episode, yeah, it's boring. It's boring as hell. I'm uh, like, I even think about like, uh, what, what, what's your right. waiting for it before I forget? This is a one. This is one of the worst episodes of Doctor Who. Really? Ever. You weight it lower than Absorbaloff? Yeah, I do. I do. Because there are at least some parts of that which I can kind of like, you know, watch and be like, eh, it's kind of funny. But yeah, that's it. It, it. This one is just bottom of the barrel. Wow. Fair enough. I mean, I, I will have to rewatch it at some point and slog on for it again. But at least. The finale to season two is one hell of a good one. Oh, yeah. Army of Ghosts, Doomsday, Russell D. Davis. The first time I ever cried at mm. Doctor Who. And, and certainly not the last. That, that ending. That heartache ending. <laughs> it's just... Mm, right in the feels. Oh, we'll oh get yeah, we'll I'm, get I'm jumping the like, gun, I know, but... But it is, like, yeah, like you say, Army of Ghosts opens with Rose on the beach being like, this is the story of how I died, and, like, everyone's like, oh my god, I wonder if Rose is actually gonna die. Well, how does she tell the story, then, if she's talking right now? Shut up! <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if she died or not. I don't know why I'm just doing Tristan in the It's it the go-to wonder. voice, you know. Yeah, uh, but yeah, and then you have you know you have the great moment of the Doctor coming in, you know uh, the Doctor and Rose come into Jackie's flat and he tries to sneak past Jackie and she kisses him and he does the face just like oh, <laughs> <laughs> and then you know you have the bit you know because obviously they try and investigate the ghosts and what have you and how they've just you know they've gone into everything which is hilarious like even like meet into like extenders and stuff they have and, like um, oh what's the What's that show where people go on to talk about their problems? Uh, was it Trisha? I think it had Trisha. Yeah, I think it was on Trisha. the woman who wants to bury her ghost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, like, there's such little fun things like that. And you have, like, you know, it's like the Doctor and Rose. It's like, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Oh, so, I'm afraid no ghost. using that one? Yeah, I think I think they used it. I think they also used it in the Atlantis. Okay, okay. I think there was. I, I think because when you said about, it, I was like, I'm pretty sure they had Ghostbusters reference there as well. Okay, maybe I'm but, wrong. Yeah, uh, but and, you know, and that you know, and we see Torchwood properly as yeah, well, don't we? In this episode, we do, don't we? Yeah, with with Yvonne uh, appearing and. Yeah. and like season one, they do a full circle with bringing back. The Cybermen, just like season one, brought back the Daleks. It showed the threat of them, mm. um, and it brings them back full circle, alongside the freaking Daleks. Who I and you know what? They hadn't publicised no. that. They had not in any way. I don't think. And I remember at the end of that episode, at the end of Army of Ghosts, I remember like you know being them being like, oh, it could be a Cyber King. So everything. I was like, oh. What is it going to be? It could be a cyber king. It could be something, you know, like it could be an army of cybermen. And the Daleks came out and I lost my <laughs> shit. 
I literally, I, I rang my friend, like my only other friend, because I hadn't met you yet, my only other friend who liked Doctor Who, I rang him, she was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And he was like, I know, I know. And it was so, like, epic. And, yeah. Like, that's to me, is how you do a Dalek episode. Because I know they have to do the Daleks every single season. Um, and this was back when it was still fresh. But to have that where we didn't know that they were coming. And thank God, because it led to such a good climactic end. And uh, who's the mm-hmm. who's the boss lady played by? The one who gets turned into a Cyberman. Because uh, she did a great job. And I oh, loved her scene at the very I end can't. where... Um, Tra- Tracy Ann Oberman, if yeah. I remember what, correctly. What, what is it that her awesome final line, where she's like, she's crying as a Cyberman, but she's holding up the gun? It's like, I think she's like, I did country, it to yes. country. I love it? that so much. That's so so good. And it's um, Martha's first appearance in Doctor Who. Um, the actress. Well, Martha's yeah. cousin. Yeah, the Free Radjuman's first appearance. Yeah. Which is uh, something that Doctor Who ended up repeating a few times with Peter Capaldi being in the fires of Pompeii. Oh, you know they done and they done it before. You know, Colin Baker was in a Peter Davison episode before mm, being cast as the Sixth me, yeah. Doctor. So yeah, so like you know, Doctor Who is no no strangers to repeating actors like at all. So. Yeah, so people need to stop uh, in certain Facebook groups, which I won't mention right now. Stop need to stop their stupid fan theories about things because, yeah, uh, that that's an episode in itself. I won't get into that now because some stuff I see just boils my well, blood. Before um, we go on to the ending to this two-parter, do you have any other notes or anything else you wanted to talk about with these two? There's just so much I love about it. like in and in our, you know, in, in Doomsday as well you have so many great moments. Obviously Pete coming back and his moment with Jackie, which is, you know, is like, you know, you know I love you know, this thing, it's like, you know it's like I was <laughs> it's like, you know, and I got really rich. It's like I don't care about that. Which how rich. <laughs> and they <laughs> so Jackie, so fantastic, you know. And you have the you have the fantastic like smack talk of the Cybermen smack talking the Daleks were smack talking them. <laughs> it's like we are superior. You are superior in one way. What is that? You are better at dying. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> like, oh my god. I'm about to end this Cyberman's career. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and like we'd always wanted to see as fans the Daleks versus the Cybermen oh yeah like I imagine even series 2 like like how cool is that and like they've oh D- dude after that episode yeah. came out I remembered um, coming up in my head this idea for a Doctor Who real time strategy game where you could play as the Dalek faction the Cyberman faction the Torchwood faction and have them sort of fight each other. And I just thought, that'd be so well, awesome. It's so, it's so funny, because between this, between Series 1 and this, uh, I had my Year 10, I think, coursework. And the coursework, you had to write a story. So uh, it caused me a lot of anxiety after, so I was worried that I hadn't created my own character. But I wrote a Doctor Who story as my nice, nice. coursework. right? And I called it The Battle of New York. Ooh, okay. And in it... 
What I had planned to go on and write was a battle of the Daleks and Cybermen fighting on the streets of New York. Okay, that sounds really, really awesome. And it, did, and it didn't feature they didn't feature David Tennant's Doctor, because I didn't know him that well at that point. So I wrote it for Chris Rackleson's Doctor, and I started off... It also featured the Master as well, and it was Whoa, proper, you're, you're throwing, proper fan-thicky. throwing in all the stuff, mate, but that sounds awesome. Yeah. But I tell you, dude, dude, got a fucking A-star for it, so... <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> and even, even even though it caused me so much anxiety that, because I realised, oh my god, I didn't come up with any of the characters myself. But then my teacher was like, "Dude, this is like he wasn't like, dude, he was like, Jack, this is fantastic, this is really good." And like he read out some of it for the class, and they were like, "Oh my god, this is actually really good as well." And like I say, a star for it. I was like, oh, I, I mean, that. I did a presentation once where I talked about Pirates of the Caribbean, and I dressed up and did all the mannerisms for Captain Jack Sparrow. So, <laughs> a lot of people were asking me, are you camp? It's like, have you not watched Pirates of the Caribbean? This is how he walks. Where's the ramcon? I was just throwing out chocolate points to people for actually participating to actually get them involved in the presentation. Yeah. Yeah, no, but yeah, um, yeah, fantastic to see that, and obviously, you know, seeing Daleks all across the sty, and seeing the Cybermen as well, just, you know, obviously having to team up with the Doctor in the end, actually. But then, of course, you know, they all sort of, the trouble is, really, you know, is they they both kind of get sidelined, you know. It's all set up, and then they just get sidelined at the end, really, just for it to be about Rose, and about them all getting sucked into the void. You know, there's no, like, big climactic thing with the doctor actually speaking to them it's just they're in there and set off the machine to send them all into the void mm. i get you you know i it's interesting though because i, I want to say that this story has some parallels to the finale for season three i believe it is and i think i prefer this finale to season three's finale Oh yeah, I, do, I, do, I prefer it as well. And like, you know, it has a great ending to this as well. Like, you know, and like I say, it's the first Doctor Who episode actually, you know. Uh, and then, you know, early ones have made me cry when I've rewatched them. But when I first watched it, this one did make me cry as a teenager. Then on the beach where, and it's, yeah. I, I suppose it's a bit more melodramatic. It's a bit more melodrama now, isn't it? You know, like, you know, I love you. Quite right too. And I suppose... I won't get a chance to say it again. Rose Just tired. say it! Just say it! <laughs> like, <laughs> just like younger people. And even say. now, even now, if I ever, if I, if I talk to my mum about Doctor Who, if I talk to her about David Tennant, she goes, he loved her. Oh, he loved her. And like, the great ending to that as well, you know, that you have him crying there and then he turns around and there's, there's yeah. Catherine Tate in a wedding dress, and it's and that's the the what? Oh, what? What? That's what? Like that's the birth of the what with David with with David Tennant's Doctor. Like, oh my gosh! It's such a good juxtaposition ending with that as well. Like something really make you excited. Mm. And oh yeah. And it's a good two-parter. Like I said, I just think there's some bits that bring it down a little bit. I just don't think it's as strong as the Series 1. Uh, you know you what? Know? Season 1, because 
we didn't know that the Daleks would be coming back like that. We had that phenomenal episode of Dalek, and then we follow it up with the finale being hundreds of them, and they're just killing people left, right, and center. It's kind of a bit of a repeat of that, but with Cybermen included. But I still think it really holds up well, and I, I would... Because... Oh, I, I don't know whether I'd give this a 9 or a 10. I still, I still think it's absolutely brilliant. And I would say The Girl in the Fireplace is the best episode in the whole season 2. I just... I'm very stuck between 9 or 10 for me. For me, it's nowhere near a 9, nowhere near a 10. It's, it's an 8, okay. I'd say. Low 8 again. Hmm. I mean... That, that. It's I've, I've gone on record before saying that series 2 is definitely David Tennant's weakest series of episodes. His performance is great, his performance is always great but the episodes not all of them are great so yeah, and that's what I think you know, one ten out of 10 episodes couple eights, couple sevens and then some really low ones I mean, too. It's interesting because I think this is the only season that has, unless I'm completely wrong, to have three two-parters and it's very split down the middle. Like, you kind of get either great episodes or mediocre to bad episodes. I'm trying to think about what you said there in terms of being two-parters. I'm thinking, no, like, no, I know Series 4 has some two-parters. And but, but three of them? Yeah, because in series in series four you have um, the Sontaran two parter, you have Science and Library two parter, and you have the uh, two parter at the end oh, of it as well. There we go the then. I'm journey. one. <laughs> My amazingly bad memory, folks. Yeah, and actually, t- series one had two part, three two parters as well because you had the the Slovene two parter, the um, Empty Child two parter, and you had the ending two parter as well. There we are. Yep. No, I've. So yeah, yeah. You're talking on your ass, sunshine. Yeah, I would definitely say season two for David Tennant. While it's his weakest season, it's not to say that it is a bad season. There is so much to enjoy. Oh no, it's still good. Um, I think between seasons three and four, off the top of my head. I'd probably say season four is my favourite of his, and that's probably because of Catherine Tate and his strong, strong agree, strong like, agree, strong agree. relationship is so great. And I've got, I've got a coworker I do who she absolutely hates Catherine Tate's character, um, and I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Sorry, what? Like they, they, they think that they're just who are they? So I, so who are they? So I can interpret their house and. Uh... <laughs> If you're listening, if you're listening, how dare you? Again, folks, we'd like to remind you that everyone is entitled to their own opinions. It's just some opinions are more white than others, and some opinions are more wrong. Yes, exactly. Yeah, this is this is animal farm people, <laughs> and we're the pigs. <laughs> yeah, no, all all opinions are valid. Just some opinions are wrong, and. If you don't like Catherine Tate and Doctor Who, then I don't like you. I I very much want to talk more about her when we get to her that season in particular, because I think she is great. Um, 
as Rose, Rose with um, Billy Piper, I think she does a really great job as the Doctor's first companion. Yeah, Billy Piper does great. I think, I think Billy, I think Rose as a character has. I don't think Rose has aged particularly well in some spots. But, but I think she set up the foundation. I think some for for later. Yeah, she said totally, totally. I think she's. I think Billy Piper. You can't deny that she did a fantastic job. All the same. But yeah. Um, what was your What was your final rating on uh, on the final two part of uh, I Move Ghosts and uh, Doomsday? By the way. Oh, um, so like the final two episodes, I gave it a nine. I did. Um, I, I've, mm-hmm. I've. That's just for my personal memories and everything I still have fun with this. Fair enough. And, fair and you enough, gave it yeah. an eight. I have to say, yeah. I have to say as well, like, you know, and I think it should be mentioned as well, the real unsung hero of uh, the first ten series of Doctor Who is Murray Gold, the composer. Oh my god. Because yeah. the music he writes, like I think of Doom's the boom, boom, Ooh. Oh, just bring, breaks my heart every time I and, listen to and it. Folks, that was just a preview of Jack's a cappella track that he is bringing out for Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I will also uh, be doing <laughs> the 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 sound effects from uh, Robots of Death. <laughs> no, ah, oh, but I, I I love these early seasons of Doctor Who. These early seasons are some of my fondest memories with the series same like big nostalgia rush with this even at the weakest there's something to still really appreciate with them with ideas with costumes like um i I forgot to mention the great costumes of the the cat nurses in episode one of the series on new earth because they do a really great i didn't know you were a furry (laughs) i knew that I, the moment I said it, phrase it like that, that was going to be what was said. But no, as makeup goes, like I don't want to be a furry. <laughs> I I I have a strong appreciation for practical effects. It's why I love um, Jim Henson movies so much and old eighties movies, Star Wars movies with those practical mm-hmm. effects. So for them to get that and to make them look so realistic like that. And again, I love it when they reuse aliens for future episodes. Like, you've got that race reappearing in, I think it's season three where there being like a traffic jam episode. Yeah, grid in, in gridlock, yeah. Um, I mean, we'll probably be talking about something else other than season three next time we do an episode because it's, it's nice to space these apart, but... Yeah, totally. I... I Totally, but I think we'll definitely come back and do a tenth Doctor retrospective, part two. So, yeah, one hundred percent. And uh, with that, well, Jackie boy, do you have any insights into the history of Doctor Who that I have yet to be alluded to? Right. Um, so I've spoken about my process of uh, how I find my cannon busters uh, before. Like I literally just type a random word into the TARDIS data call and go for a few entries and find the weirdest, wackiest shit. Um, last time we were talking about my love for Castlevania, Robin, and you also joined in that love, love it, as yeah. well. But can I just ask you now, what is your, what's your stance on vampires? Um, I personally, I absolutely 
hate what they've done to them in modern days. Give me scary vampires any day of the week and I'm happy with them. Mm. Well, I mean, separate issue itself how, about vampires uh, in Doctor Who that, you know, vampires themselves are all over Doctor Who, whether it be vampire fish mm-hmm. and vampires of Venice or other things as well. You know, the vampires technically are ancient enemies of the Time Lords, which is a... Uh, quite a thing and there's quite a few brilliant big finished ones that people should listen to but as vampires go you don't like the modern ones yeah. is it yeah but more classical ones i, do you I like? always okay, see yeah? them cool, as cool. the cool. the most best vampires are the beasts the monsters that have the hunters or the hunted really face an unstoppable threat yeah like like like, like quite primal yeah would you say? yeah like... not not the politic ones or the the sparkle ones okay Okay, cool. Um, because there have been a multiple occasions, actually, where the Doctor's come up against vampire monkeys. Explain. Um, well, uh, their first appearance was actually in a, a comic called Tooth and Claw, similar to, obviously, the episode oh, yeah. uh, called Tooth and Claw, which is where I got this from. Uh, vampire monkeys, yes. In 1939... Uh, the Eighth Doctor found a cave drawing about a demon. It's always the Eighth Doctor. It's always the fucking wilderness <laughs> years, Doctor. I tell you what. You know, it's always... You can always point like, oh, for God's sake, it's, it's began again, you know, doing this. <laughs> you know, he found drawings of about a demon who rose from a volcano and taught monkeys how to eat humans. <laughs> shortly afterwards... I love that. Uh, Shortly afterwards, he was attacked by a vampire monkey with a syringe. Okay, right? I'm following so far. Right, keep going. They were later saved by Faye uh, True Scott Sade. Later, they found out the canon, uh, pick, that Canon Pickin was killed by a vampire monkey, and the monkeys were acting according to Varney's orders. Varney ah. of London. Varney had developed a biological weapons which infected monkeys and other creatures and turned them into vampires. After destroying Varney's uh, uh, cucubine, the infected creatures were healed. So the vampire monkeys became normal monkeys again. But also, Robin, Missy told Clara in The Witch's Familiar that an incarnation of the Doctor once fell into a nest of vampire monkeys after escaping death at the hands of android assassins. So the Doctor has come up against vampire monkeys... At least twice. If I had a nickel for every time that happened, I'd have two nickels. <laughs> Which isn't a lot. But it's strange that it happened twice. Yes. I just... So many moments to break down with that. The fact that the monkey had a syringe and was... Sure. I love... Love dumb comic book bullshit like that. It's some of my favourite stuff. Oh, yeah. As Comic Drake says, because oh, comics. That is such a highlight, I think, to end this episode on. <laughs> Unless you've got anything totally, else to bring yeah. up. I just, I was just, that. no, that was it. Vampire, I, I feel like Vampire Monkeys is a high enough uh, point to end yeah. on. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much, Robin, for being here to discuss this with uh, me. Uh, our favourite Doctor and a great series to talk oh, about all the same. It's been one hell of a while to, to go through these episodes again and... Oh, mate, I I cannot wait to talk about the other seasons of Over Tenant, and I think I think this podcast as well has kind of given me the energy to get 
to go back to season 11 again with new vigour. Oh, I can't wait for that to be the life and love you have for Doctor Who to be slowly squeezed out from you like a vampire monkey (laughs) sucking out of you with a syringe. And um, I did not think I'd be hearing that tonight. (laughs) Yes. And on that note, uh, I have been been Jack. He has been Robin. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Uh, This has been an awful lot of fun in the unofficial Doctor Who podcast. And... Sorry, the unofficial, official Doctor Who podcast, I should say. And thank you all for listening. Sayonara. Ta-ra.